Hello everybody, welcome to the All The Anime Podcast. Jeremy Graves here and I'm joined in the office studio by one Mr. Andy Hanley. Hello everyone. So, slight change of plans to what we had in mind based on the last episode you heard, which was the Scotland Loves Anime preview. Long and short of it, plans change. So it was originally going to be a three-part special, it is now going to be a two-part special. The second part of it, coming up after we're done blathering on here for a few minutes. What you are going to get later on in the episode is our annual Judges Award post-deliberation special. So you'll get to hear all the judges, plus Jonathan Clements, and maybe a certain Golden Partridge as well, discussing the various films that were in competition, a very candidly it's got to be said as well, in the Scotland Loves Anime competition category. The Golden Partridge Award. There you go. I remembered it eventually. <laughs> so that will be coming up a bit later. But I, you'll know based on the time codings, because we'll have it in the blog post and stuff, but estimate probably about 15, 20 minutes farther forward. I'm going to say it now, though, in case any of you fast forward and then don't hear it, that the views and opinions expressed in that particular section of the show are not those of Anime Limited. So... The judges are not affiliated with Anime Limited. They were brought in specially for Scotland Loves Anime, and it is very much their opinions of each film. So don't take them as gospel from us, for crying out loud, because that would be wrong. But it is still some very fun discussion, though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yes. I mean, yeah, as, as you say, the judges are there to be impartial, so, you know, they have their own opinions on things. But, yeah, it's, it's always really interesting to hear what, what people have to say and kind of, you know, the way people break down and look at those films and then this year in particular I think has a very kind of interesting take on on the films that were in competition so uh, absolutely well worth uh, listening to for some uh, some very insightful discussion. So yeah also a quick round of heads up if you can hear people breathing quite loudly in that episode or maybe bottle caps being dropped or something it's because it was a pretty long weekend in a good way it was a really enjoyable weekend for everyone involved but we were all feeling it that Sunday morning when we recorded it so please excuse any random audio malarkey bits as it were. But so why are Andy and I here now it's because we want to we want to talk about MCM Comic Con this weekend. At the time we're recording it, it has just gone, as I look at a clock here, it's about quarter to six in the evening on Wednesday, the week of Comic-Con. Tomorrow morning we are flying down to London. I'm hoping I'm going to have this up probably by Thursday afternoon or something. We'll see if that actually happens. You'll know when you're hearing this, when this actually gets released. But yeah, we just wanted to touch base now just to let you know about some things that are going on over the MCM Comic-Con weekend. If you've not already, everybody, make sure you visit blog.alltheanime.com as we have got some blog posts there detailing what you can expect in the way of all the anime activity across the weekend. We had a blog post published about a week ago, I think it was now, mm -hmm. which was entitled Six Big Reasons to Visit All the Anime at MCM London Comic Con. And by the time you are hearing this, there will be a separate post which will be detailing all the panel times and signing session times as well. Suffice to say, Andy, there is a lot going on at Comic-Con. Yes, yeah. And I mean, even since posting that blog post, you know, we started out with, well, six reasons that was kind of more than six to start with. But now there are even more reasons to go to Comic-Con and check out the stuff that we're doing. So uh, to say that there's a, a smorgasbord of, of good stuff and cool things happening would be uh, would be an understatement, I think it's fair to say. Good use of that word. I haven't heard that in a while. <laughs> I feel like we had that a few podcasts ago. I thought I'd resurrect it. Oh, yeah, quite, quite possibly. But um, right, folks, a couple of other things to let you know about, because since our last podcast, we've made some announcements. It's tradition at Comic-Con that, that we make some announcements, maybe throughout the week or at the event itself. This time, we are spreading some news for you across the entire week. 
And we kicked it off actually this past Sunday with the announcement that the live action Tokyo Ghoul film, which had its premiere at Scotland Loves Anime Film Festival, will be coming to selected cinemas in the UK in 2018. Haven't got confirmed lock dates at the moment, but we can say at this stage it will likely be early Q1. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. Yeah, I mean, it was... Uh, as somebody who's still not found the time to watch the Tokyo Ghoul anime, I, I got to check it out in Glasgow at Scotland Loves Anime, and it's, it's a pretty decent film. Like, I had a pretty good time watching it. So, uh, you know, some, sometimes live-action adaptations of, of anime slash manga get a bit of a bad rap, but this seems like it's on the... Uh, the higher end of the scale so I think if you're a fan of that franchise or if you just want a a good kind of quick and dirty way to, to jump into it it seems like it fits the bill so, a good uh, quick and dirty way there's a marketing line right yeah, there yeah, there you go. <laughs> another bit of news which we know caught a lot of you off guard but at the same time pretty excited about it Attack on Titan The Last Stand we are bringing this board game to the UK this is this was a, a a concept, as it were, it was licensed to Don't Panic Games, who have created the game. I believe it's already been released in America, because apparently some board game shops might already have it lurking about, but we're delighted to actually be able to bring it more in an official capacity to the UK, and it's good, we're going to be trying to make sure it gets distribution as much as it possibly can do, and, and also it's just cool we get to release something else Attack on Titan related over here. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, Attack on Titan needs no introduction, and, and clearly, you know, people are still keen on it, and uh, yeah, that's like a pretty pretty cool game. I mean, our, I think our, one of our disappointments of this week, being busy as we are, is that we haven't had time to play it ourselves, because mm. we kind of wanted to break it out in the office and... Uh, shout at each other over a board game basically um which we, we haven't had time to do but uh, but yeah it looks it looks pretty pretty interesting we'll, we'll have stock at comic con so you'll be able to pick it up there and uh, yeah I'm, I'm quite interested to kind of see how it goes down with people i mean we've been looking around at, at some reviews from the the u.s release earlier in the summer that have kind of cropped up on youtube and then people and sort of board game aficionados all seem to be pretty hot on it they seem to seem to have had a really good time with it so uh seems like it's uh, highly recommended if if that's your uh, your cup of tea as it were exactly and have a look at blog.alltheanime.com folks because we put an announcement about it up there and you can also see what what is best described as a gameplay preview trailer mm. so it kind of gives you an idea as to what the game's going to be like and average runtime for the game as well is between 30 to 40 minutes so by board game standards it's a pretty nice sort of quick runtime mm. for you to get a lot of people involved shake it up a bit here and there sounds like it's going to be a good time we're very much looking forward to actually getting a chance to play it ourselves and as andy mentioned you will have the chance to actually pick it up at MCM London this weekend as we will have limited stock of it available and it will be your first chance to purchase it, so to speak, here in the UK. Next up, something really, really cool that's got to be said. Saturday afternoon, if you were wondering what you were going to be doing at lunchtime, everybody, if you're an anime fan, we have got your hookup. As we are delighted to confirm, and actually did confirm yesterday at the time of recording this little segment here, that we have acquired the upcoming anime series Violet Evergarden, which is done by Kyoto Animation, Kyo Ani, the same people that did A Silent Voice. We have managed to make the UK premiere screening of this occur this coming Saturday at MCM London Comic Con. It will be in Japanese with English subtitles. It's not part of the big promotional world tour that's going on for the series at the moment. Very much just a chance to see that episode by itself, which then, separately, Andy, actually then leads straight onto the Anime Guest of Honor panel, which we will be getting to in a minute. Mm, indeed it does. But yeah, I mean, anybody who knows me personally or from my, my previous life, as it were, 
Well, know that I'm a big fan of, of a lot of Kiwani's works, um, and I'm really excited that we've managed to to pull this off and, and get this uh, up on screen at uh, at Comic Con. I mean, for people who want a little bit of context around Violet Evergarden in particular, for some years now, um, Kyoto Animation have run um, basically a light novel competition because they have their own light novel imprint, um, inviting people to submit their works, and then they will read them, they will have a, a panel of judges who kind of work for the company who will read them and dish out awards as they feel appropriate. And they've been very, very strict about it. The actual grand prize award has never been won by any novel previously. Like there have been some that have sort of won, you know, kind of like recommendations and sort of won some of the lesser awards. Nothing's ever won the grand prize and they've been very, very strict about it until Violet Evergarden came along. That was the first grand prize winner. So the source material, Clearly, Kyo Annie think that it is something really special. It certainly sounds and looks really interesting from everything I've seen about it. Um, a lot of positivity has come out of the, the US premiere that was at Anime Expo, was it? It was Anime Expo or Otakon, it was one of the two. I think it was Anime Expo. Yeah. Um, and uh, it recently had an event in Japan where they, they uh, screened some episodes and I've heard a lot of good things coming out of it from there. So, yeah, like it's, this is, you know your chance to see an episode of anime a good kind of six months before you'll be uh, be able to, to watch it here in the, the UK in an official capacity and several months before people will be watching it on Japanese TV. So uh, if that isn't cool, then I don't know what is. And that is going to be at 1.30pm on Saturday. And that's also in the, in the Platinum Theatre. So yes. Big big time stage, as it were. Yeah, exactly. Like that. That was one of the things that, as soon as it became clear that we were going to be able to screen this, like that was the first big push. Is we wanted to make sure it got a, a decent place to be screened. You know, you don't want a noisy auditorium or somewhere where the, the video quality is not going to be so great. You know, we 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 pushed to get it in the the best place you'll possibly be able to view it. So hopefully you will enjoy and appreciate. So uh, yeah, absolutely. Like if if there's one thing you don't want to miss this weekend, and there are several things you don't want to miss this weekend, but this would be top of my personal list. And immediately after that screening, everybody, in the Platinum Suites, so you don't even have to move anywhere. You can literally just stay parked in a chair and this panel will come to you. It is the Anime Guest of Honor panel, which we're, we're delighted to be presenting with Bandai Namco Entertainment, focusing on Little Witch Academia. This weekend, Bandai Namco are promoting the Little Witch Academia Chamber of Time video game that's coming very, very soon. We wanted to help promote this with them, so we've worked with them, and there is going to be an Anime Guest of Honor panel, which will feature the director of the actual Little Witch Academia series, which you can watch right now on Netflix in Yo Yashinari. Yo Yashinari will be on the panel, and we also have two producers and the producer of the actual game as well, who are going to be in attendance, and it's going to be a, a really fun panel. From what we can tell, it's going to be showcasing a decent amount of the game, so a nice little preview of that. There's going to be some talk about the series as well, so it should be a good time. And if you're a Little Witch Academia fan, it's definitely going to be worth your time coming along. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, you're just not only um, director and original character designer, I believe, for Little mm. Witch Academia, which is... Uh, it's a series that's had a very interesting kind of lifespan and gestation. You know, it started off as an anime, anime Mirai short, kind of giving some young talent a chance to, to work on, on a short film. Then the second installment got kickstarted and crowdfunded successfully and yeah now it's got a, a big old tv series on netflix which actually I've, I've checked out over the last week or so kind of since getting back from sla because i figured like i really should get around to watching this given that we have these cool guests here and it's, it's a good fun show so uh, 
I'm also quite interested in the game. Like, it looks pretty cool from the footage I've seen. It sounds like we might get to see a bit more of it at the weekend between this panel, and I believe they'll have it playable on the show floor over at the Bandai Namco booth. So, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's a good time to be an anime fan when it comes to stuff like this. In terms of other panels you might want to check out, folks, we've got two over the weekend. There will be two All the Anime panels, the first one being Friday at 6pm in the Silver Theatre, that in the North Hall specifically, it should be said. And also, we might as well make mention of it now, the All the Anime stand is actually in the South Hall, pretty much getting on in the same line as where the entrance of the Silver Stage is. We're, we're right by the end towards the Gold Theatre, if that's any help, guys. So, in terms of travelling to and from and whatnot, it should be pretty easy to get there. But 6pm Friday, you can catch both Andy and I gracing the silver stage, as it were, <laughs> to, uh, to bring you some fun times with anime discussion. Probably going to have some cool news to share as well, something a bit different, as it were. If you've looked at the announcements this week, so there's been kind of a variety of stuff. And uh, we're going to keep up the variety, I think it's fair to say, this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's uh, as people who've seen the blog post will know, you know, what the, the big focus of our stand this year is that it's, it's the fifth anniversary, the fifth birthday of Anime Limited, and one of the things we will be showing off kind of on the stand as part of that is just the, the breadth of, of what we do as a company now, and uh, yeah, like some of our announcements may involve going a bit broader still, it's fair to say. So uh, yeah, we will doubtless have uh, have some stuff to talk about along those lines, so uh, yeah, come, come along and please don't heckle us. Or if you don't want to come on Friday, we've also got a panel on Sunday for you at 4pm. We'll be back. Maybe some more news to share with you. Maybe some other things that have cropped up over the weekend to, to discuss and whatnot. Should be a good time and a nice way to wrap up your weekend as well. But as you mentioned, Andy, fifth anniversary of Anime Limited slash all the anime, whichever you prefer to refer us to as. That is what we're kicking off at MCM Comic Con. It's really, really special to us that we get to do it there, and we're doing it in the form of some, some cool merchandise, as well as a retrospective exhibition section that we've got inside the booth. Folks, you're gonna be able to buy an all the anime fifth anniversary t-shirt, and it's pretty cool. Our, uh, our glamorous model, name redacted, uh, was, was gracious enough to model it, and yeah, you guys seem to be cool, happy with the design. It's got, it's got the panda on it, which is what people wanted. And there's also gonna be a mug there as well, which we've not actually had a chance to see the final version of it yet, but that's gonna be there waiting for us. To, to have a look at. So uh, you'll be able to have a mug and a shirt to add to your All the Anime collection. Yep, yep. And, and just to be clear, like the, the, when we say mug, we mean a, a, a receptacle that you can put drinks in. We're not referring to a member of Anime Limited stuff. <laughs> or just a face. You should do cardboard cutouts, cutouts of faces next time. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yes, everyone, kicking off the fifth anniversary celebrations. And, of course, a big staple of what we offer, as it were, over a Comic-Con weekend is the All The Anime shop. This time there's also gonna actually be, gonna be like another shop alongside it as well, which will be specializing in merchandise because we're gonna have some official Your Name merchandise there to add to your collection. We've got t-shirts, I think there's hoodies there as well. I, I'm drawing a blank, I think we've got some framed posters. There's some really yeah. cool stuff that's gonna be there. So yeah, yeah we've got yeah t-shirts, hoodies, um, posters, uh, mugs, um, and... Uh, They've got some notebooks and some some other odds and ends, mm. but yeah, like uh, it may surprise you to hear this. this did listen to the podcast, but your name's kind of a big deal, so uh, mm. we, we're celebrating that by by bringing you a, a whole bunch of of your name merchandise as well as the actual film, of course. Exactly, it is also going to be your first opportunity via the all the anime shop stand to pick up your copy of your name. We are going to have the standard Blu-ray, standard DVD, and we will also have 
units of the limited collector's edition Blu-ray DVD steelbook set that also comes with the soundtrack by Radwimps. Worth mentioning now that with that and all the other pre-release stock we're going to have at the event, it is strictly first come first served while stocks last. We've only got so much room in the van, as it were. So once they're gone, they're gone. But obviously in the case of your name, it will only be an additional week if you can't be at the event or you're not able to grab a copy that weekend as it is out on the 6th of November. We will also have pre-release stock in the form of A Silent Voice, the limited collector's edition Blu-ray DVD set, standard Blu-ray and standard DVD. All going well, everybody. We will also have the complete first season of Ajin, Demi-Human, to bring you as well. The DVD version we have definitely got, but we're currently waiting on our production house to... Uh, make the production gods play ball a bit, as it were, to see if we can get some of that over the weekend. So stay tuned, we'll post updates on that. We should also have the standard edition Blu-ray of Genius Party and Genius Party Beyond, which will be coming out later this year. We will also have the limited collector edition Blu-ray and standard DVD versions of Hyoka Part 1, which at the time we're recording this, we actually published an unboxing of the Blu-ray earlier today. Mm. And it's come out very nice, hasn't it? Yes, it did indeed. I mean, we, we got our copies in the office. I may be hugging it and sleeping with it tonight because I'm a massive, massive Yoka fanboy. Um, but yeah, like it's, it, it looks uh, looks real nice. So, so go check out that unboxing and maybe buy a copy of the weekend because you're worth it. Also, we'll have early copies of Castletown Dandelion on Blu-ray and DVD. We should also have the standard edition Blu-rays of Empire of Corpses, Psychopaths 2, Lord Marksman and Vanadis. And Tokyo ESP. And I think we've also got Fairy Tale 19 there as well, mm. which is pretty cool. So tons to add to your collection. Another thing which we can now confirm we will definitely have very limited stock of at MCM London Comic Con is the Ultimate Edition set of Eureka 7. We got the word of that kind of moments ago, as it were, before we came in here. And we're going to get an unboxing up for you ASAP. Uh, it'll be on Thursday at the time we're recording this, we're going to have the unboxing up for you. Chances are you might, or Thursday might have gone by the time you're hearing this, but just so you know how things roll, everybody, because it's such a busy week here this week, to say the least. But there is tons of anime to add to your collection this weekend. We've really tried to pull out all the stops we can to, to make sure that you guys can have something unique to take home with you, and we've got a plethora of things on the go. And as we mentioned, Head over to alltheanime.com, blog.alltheanime.com specifically to the blog section to get all the info on what you can expect from MCM Comic Con this weekend. And also, I want to give a quick shout out as well that if you want something a bit different to do in the evenings on the Friday and Saturday of MCM Comic Con, uh, try that again. The Perfect Blue 20th Anniversary screenings are taking place in Cineworld Cinemas. I think one of the nearest ones to XL is at West India Key on the DLR line. That sounds right to me. Yeah, yeah that sounds about right. Is that the West India Key on DLR or Jubilee? I'm drawing a blank off the top of my head. But either way, that's the nearest one. So if you want to catch Perfect Blue in the cinema in the evening, you probably could do, because I think the cinema at the O2 is a view cinema. I think. I don't think it's a Cineworld. I could be wrong. If it is a Cineworld, go over to the O2, everybody. But um, by the way, though, make sure you visit perfectbluemovie.co.uk to, one, celebrate the 20th anniversary of one of the best anime films of all time from a legendary director, but two, just to see some more anime on the big screen. And on a Comic-Con weekend, it's a pretty good time to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Perfect Blue is a, is a, a timeless classic that should be watched uh, at any time of the year or day or whatever so, uh, so yeah <laughs> go, just just go watch perfect blue like if you've seen it already you, you know what you're in for but it's, it's it's one of those films you can watch multiple times like i 
watched it a good half dozen times myself now and like I would happily sit down tomorrow and watch it again uh, but if you haven't watched it before like you know it's uh, it's influenced a whole bunch of, of western pop culture and, and film etc etc and it's really good in its own right so you should absolutely check it out also worth mentioning everybody over the weekend Andy and I are going to try and have some other audio up for you we've got a couple of ideas in mind ultimately it's just going to have to come down to how things play out because as, a, as some might say, this week has proven the best laid plans never come to fruition sometimes. So we've got lots of things in mind. We'll see if they come up, but we are at least going to have some audio for you after Expo that we can share with you. We might try and get some during it as well, so be on the lookout for that. But um, but yeah, I think we're going to close out this segment now. As mentioned, we've got the part two of the Scotland Loves Anime deliberations or the, the Scotland's anime theme section of the podcast coming up in just a moment so make sure you stay tuned for that and once again everybody just a friendly reminder that that section of the podcast the judges involved and whatnot Jonathan Clements and such their opinions are very much their own and do not reflect those of anime limited from, uh, from Andy and myself uh, we're going to tune out now you're about to hear us again in a couple of minutes time that said you don't hear a lot of us specifically in the episode though do you Andy? No, no we very, <laughs> I mean there, there were so many so much to be to be said by the the judges and the jury, and, and, it, and it is very much their show. So, uh, so yeah, me, me and Jeremy kind of uh, keep our counsel for the most part, and uh, so you can in, enjoy the dulcet tones of others for once, and, and not us, which will probably be a blessed relief to some of you. So many of you are just jumping with joy for that right now. <laughs> but guys, thank you very much for listening. Enjoy the rest of the show, and if you're coming to Comic Con this weekend, we will see you there. Blog.alltheanime.com for the info. See ya. Bye. Hello everyone, and welcome to the All The Anime Podcast. It's the next part of our Scotland Loves Anime special. Originally going to be three parts, now two, because we're extending this one to compensate for it. we can't be bothered. <laughs> Those are the words of Jonathan Clements, everybody. I am Jeremy Graves. I am joined by many, many people this morning. And advance warning, we are talking about films that screened at Scotland Loves Anime. If you do not want to be spoiled, maybe check back when you've seen them, depending when that is. Some of them might be a while. Or never, you might miss nothing. <laughs> I lost the entire audience. Exactly, there we go. So, uh, Jonathan, I will hand the reins over to you. Oh. So, uh, so you can do formal introductions and such. All right, very well. Hello, I'm Jonathan Clements. I am the jury chairman uh, once again because, I don't know, day release or something. I couldn't find anyone better uh, again. Andrew couldn't find anyone better, <laughs> although there are some volunteers on Twitter today. <laughs> um, and I am here with uh, Andrew Partridge of Anime Limited. No, you're not. I'm not here. Really, Andrew's not here. Because not in body anyway. Uh, Andy Hanley of Anime Limited. Say hello, Andy. You're allowed to talk now. Oh, I'm allowed to talk now. Hello, everybody. Yeah, Andy spent last night sitting in utter quietitude, uh, very, very nobly, while the jury debated. And we have the jury here who I'd like to introduce themselves. Hi, I'm Raina Dennison. I'm a senior lecturer in film, TV, and media studies at the University of East Anglia. And I mostly write and teach about anime. Um, I'm Amelia Cook. I'm the editor in chief of Anime Feminist. And I've freelanced for Neo and Otaku USA. Uh, I'm Elliot Page, um, former podcast co-host of Mr. Andy Hanley on the UK Anime Network. Now a free agent, um, I create and run the website Manga Search, which is a legal uh, search engine for digital manga releases in the UK. I did not know that. Oh, it could be a business card after we that. <laughs> I got them printed two days ago. Yeah, I probably should have known that, bearing in mind you were on the jury. All right, well, too late now. Uh, and uh, have any of you been on a jury before? No. No. Are no. you ever going to do it again? Sure. Sure, yeah. yeah. Depends. Yeah. When's your 7-2 coming out? <laughs> 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 <laughs>
Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, I'll do that, yeah. Assuming that Eureka 7-2 is not on the cards, have you been happy with the jury experience, or are you just glad that it's done and you never want to do it again? Silence. <laughs> very there's much no enjoyed wrong, the there's jury no wrong experience. Answer. No, very much enjoyed the jury experience. Um, it ended very late last night and has started fairly early this morning, so that's the one thing I might change. Yeah. The yeah, early sure. start, not the late night. The late yeah. night was fantastic. Thanks very much, guys. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, Brilliant. I've in, I've enjoyed it. It's been it's, it's been a constant fight against this um, uprising feeling of imposter syndrome, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, knowing people who I'm in the room with, and also previous year's juries. But hey, I'm here, so <laughs> make use of me, I guess. <laughs> All right, let's use Elliot. Well, Elliot. <laughs> what did you make of Eureka Seven, Elliot? <laughs> I did not hate as much as everyone else. <laughs> That's like our catchphrase this year. That's, yeah. yeah. Actually, um, side note before we go too far for tangent, that's actually a very similar theme to the Annecy jury this year. Not hating things. Not hating things as much as other things. Quite often on a film festival jury, having done eight now... Wow. Um, no, they can't find anyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> having, having done eight now, the, the, the thing that is most apparent um, when you, you... Particularly among people who, who are not part of the industry, who are just kind of drifting in is the sudden pressure to determine not the best, but the least worst. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, because you're, you're dealing with films that you wouldn't necessarily volunteer to see. Mm. Um, and and uh, particularly with, with fans, you know, f- fans choose what they see at the festival. The jury is forced to watch mm. everything in competition. And I know that all three of you are fans of, of some stripe, but nevertheless, actually having to evaluate something and having no choice about it and being forced to say what you think if, if even if what you think is I really don't care don't ask me <laughs> um, which did come out a bit in the deliberations mm-hmm. last night um, is, is a very odd experience I've programmed but, film festivals before and, and that's a different kind of pain I think yeah, it certainly is because <laughs> yeah. then you sit there like a, an anxious mother kind mm. of going oh god please let them not hate it as mm. much as I think they're going to hate it mm. actually I, quite, I actually want people to hate things you do it gives more passionate feelings and more reason for people <laughs> to come back and hate something else mm. haters are far more powerful tool than love in this, in this festival context I think festival organisers also suffer from imposter syndrome I, Louis Savvy at Sci-Fi London he, I'm sure he won't mind me saying yeah. this two or three years in, he was saying to me, I just don't know what I'm going to do next year. I don't know what I'm going to put on. You know, I've, I've, I've done everything. And I said, but there'll be new people showing up. There'll be, you know, every film festival has got people who've never come to a film festival yeah. before. Yeah. In, in the case of Scott and Ralph Anime, we had people who'd never seen Tokyo Godfathers before. For Despite being out for 14 years. Yeah, been around for 40. Yeah. We had people who'd never sat through Venus Wars and possibly yeah. wish they had. Yeah. How is that possible? I know. <laughs> I know, it just slipped by some people, I think. Glasgow's yeah, my first time watching Venus Wars, so yeah, yeah. I'd never seen that film until this last my weekend. First, so. This is my first time watching Venus Wars as well. You know, at the moment, my only prior experience is a podcast before mm. now, and I was like, that sounds interesting. Venus Wars has been around for 24 years and possibly should not have been resurrected. What I found interesting about Tokyo Godfathers was Andrew doesn't mind if I say that, or if he yeah. does, he'll just dock, well, dock my pay. Um, <laughs> what I find interesting about Tokyo Godfathers, which was on at the festival, is how enthusiastic everybody was about it, mm. and how Masao Mariyama, who was the, uh, the guest to the Q&A afterwards, was genuinely and visibly touched by the reaction that the film had, hmm. uh, particularly bearing in mind that you know, no one went to see it when it came out. It was something of a box office disaster in Japan. It certainly was a flop in Britain. I mean, well, literally no one could go and see it in the UK when it came out because it went yeah, straight to home video. It went straight to video and, so. and sold 
Is it up into four figures now? Over, over I think time? it was in four figures. Yeah, like, but it was, it was a long time when it only sold 800 copies in, in Britain, and that was, you know. Yeah, I mean, when it fell through the pricing floor, like into the 399, 499 pricing category, mm. it's people picked yeah. it up on a blind buy or literally yeah. because they were blind and just but picked it up the, pa- the paprika level of pricing we're yeah. like this is six pounds on amazon sod it although i do like that pricing difference just now you could buy paprika for 6.99 we could buy it for 20 pounds for the same product <laughs> uh hello if you're listening anger entertainment so we do love you honest um, no no i'm just entertained by it i mean it's Yes, I, I, I didn't realise I was running this show, so uh, I, I will attempt to, to resurrect uh, whatever it was we were talking about last night. Um, shall we talk about Venus Wars first, since Venus Wars has come up and everyone's reluctant to discuss Eureka 7? Um, <laughs> we can discuss Eureka 7. I think you should just get Eureka 7 now, boys. Yeah. Yeah. short conversation. I, I would like a volunteer just, just briefly, pray see what happens in Venus Wars. There's a war on Venus. Yeah. You hated it the least. Yes, you hated it the least, Brainer. <laughs> Off you go. There are two opposing factions. It is a war movie. Mm-hmm. And in this war, we have basically tanks versus bikes. That, that seems to be what mostly is happening in this movie. Tanks versus bikes. There is your elevator pitch, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> You're making it sound way cooler than it is. <laughs> yeah, don't forget the cat. Yeah. Um, and Andrew the cat. And, the, the, and there's a yeah. cat in it as well. Uh, and does it matter that it's on Venus? Not at all. No. Yeah. no. Does it matter to you that it doesn't matter that it's on Venus? No. <laughs> it matters to me. I thought you, you, you've pitched me this film, Venus Wars. It's on Venus. What does that mean? Well, it means nothing. It just means bikes versus tanks, and there's a desert. It could be anywhere, and it might as well have been. Yeah. It, it looks, it looks to me like they went on a location hunt in Las Vegas or something, and said that'll do. You know, mm-hmm. thanks for the money. I don't know if they did or not, but that's certainly the impression that I get from the uh, from the footage. I don't know. As far as meaningless anime titles go, Venus Wars isn't the worst. It's around. not the most. Yeah. It's, it's certainly not the <laughs> worst title of this cool. festival. Uh, <laughs> no, in fact. It definitely um, is not. <laughs> but the thing about Venus Wars is it has been, it was released originally in Britain 24 years ago. It's, mm. it's a show from 1989. Uh, and that, in, in a way, means that, you know, the 80s are cool again and that's come back round. But is this still cool? Was it ever cool? I don't, I don't cool? know the 80s were ever cool or ever will be, but. <laughs> Some cool things survived it, I feel. Yeah. You know. we're, in, we're in the age of Some Ready us. Player One. <laughs> yeah, we're not cool. We're in the age of Ready Player One getting a film made yeah. about it. I think the 80s are definitely considered cool right now. Although, more, although the fun, more fun part of that is we're in the age of Ready Player One getting a movie, getting slated by everyone on Twitter to much chuckles. So that's the more Before interesting thing. comes out as well, it's fucking great. Twitter's a tiny, tiny percentage. Of course it is. Fine. I, would, I would say about Venus Wars that of the films we watched, for this festival, it was interesting for me because it was the anime I remember. Before mm. before digital happened, before yeah. computers took over and everything went 2.5D, this is what I remember anime being like. So it was it was a little nostalgia trip for me, which was quite nice. Yeah. I think that's a better yeah. one. There was one facet that I enjoyed, I think I mentioned last night, mm. but like there's a um, there's a shot where there is this ugly ass biplane carrier doodad coming towards the camera directly. Yeah. And you know it's being hand animated, and there's a grill on the front of it, like a vertical grill. And as it's coming towards, you can see the animators with each like each like cell is like furiously trying to make these vertical lines and make it uniformly expand mm-hmm. to like come towards the so it's an artificial um, zoom. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's using you're using yeah you're using artificial zoom through drawing, and then because nowadays you know obviously with digital animation you can just zoom. Down, yeah, you can just zoom it or or up or up sample the yeah. image and just go, and off it goes. So it's like oh wow, look at that. It's but you know when when you're kind of poking around for things to kind of take away from it, that's maybe a bit of damning with um, fame. <laughs> 
No, but no, it was it was it was it was heartful to see that, like you know, like the tanks as previously mentioned, which I absolutely detest the design of. But there's enough on them that you look at them and go, yeah, someone had to actually lovingly draw this ugly ass dumb tank, yeah. but they had to do it from lots of different angles, mm-hmm. from lots of different ways. They had to have it react mm-hmm. to stimuli, mm-hmm. mostly being shot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't know where the people fit in the whole thing because it was all gun, but like you know, <laughs> they had to animate this very loving, stupid, dumb tank. Who doesn't love a bit of impossible <laughs> physics though, right? Yeah. What was really interesting about that for me was that the bikes were so imaginative. Now, I didn't like them, but they, they mm. it was imaginative design of the bikes and also the police vehicle mm-hmm. oh, with yeah. its yeah. kind of wheels that can expand and contra- like extend. And they were like, we were on legs. Yeah, so it meant that you had a police chase scene where the guy can't escape by running down narrow alleys because the vehicle can follow. That was really interesting and imaginative. And then you've got this 1980s video camera. Mm. And you've got these these tanks that are all gun. And it's the lack of imagination in the surrounding technology was really showed up by the fact that these other vehicles had so much thought put into them. Maybe they were just like, nah, it's never going to change. I, <laughs> I, I personally believe that the science fiction in the mid to late 1980s in Japan was what we would now call lazy. Yeah. Uh, and, and the world no. building, the world building is, is pointless. There's no reason for it to be on Venus at all. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and then it goes back to Earth towards the end and it just looks like Venus. Venus. Yeah. It looks like New York now. Yeah, exactly. uh, well, yeah, not even now, it looks like old New York. I suspect so. someone took a photo. Yeah. <laughs> and and, and Charge it as a tax deductible expense. Yeah. That's yeah. the thing. Every now and then in anime, you see something going, okay, you've charged for that, haven't you? Mm-hmm. You've bought that car and then you've panned it for a while with a camera and now you're calling it a tax deductible expense. And but we should consider ourselves lucky they didn't just put up a photo of New York because there were entire sequences where mm. they had actual live action footage of mm. backgrounds. Yeah. They I mean, they could have. I mean, they could have totally done that. And yeah. Mm. It would have well, fit fitted with the time as well, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and of course, the time was this would have been in production at the time that Acura was in production, and I think you can really see what a difference Acura would have made to the science fiction world, um, particularly in Japan, where you have things like Black Magic M sixty six, you have things like um, Venus Wars. Acura turns up and completely changes the, the paradigm of what's acceptable and what's clever. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I mean, Andrew, you said on the last podcast that there's there's some that this film is obscure because it was kind of buried well, yeah. and you've got your reason but I don't think your reason holds water um, because the, Andrew suggests that it's been buried out of a sense of honour that it was too good no no it's not been buried out of a sense of honour it's mm. about the director not the fuck the honour part it's mm. about the director <laughs> oh this is a like I, 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 I swear yeah. I'll swear when I feel like yeah. it and anyone else can join me or be horrified you the can judges take a all pick. look shocked at yeah. that yes he's yes. <laughs> clearly never contact. been in the in a business meeting with me at this point <laughs> I, I just saw the um, iTunes explicit was, tag yeah that was me thinking yeah. this might be a clean one for once no, uh, no. fuck that sleds <laughs> Um, but no, like I mean, the, it's not about honor at the end of the day. It's about the director himself and inferiority yeah. complex to Yoshiyuki Kitamino. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I think that a lot of uh, films become obscure through rights clusterfucks, yeah. where mm. suddenly you don't know who owns it anymore, and it's difficult to you know, less write. common than you would think. Though it's only really an old subset of those now. I mean, we all yes. know where they are. It's the original creatives who have been. The yes, only time I've hit a, pr- a brick wall with that is where the most common problem is only a short window normally. Yeah. It's just been known when to ask. So let's take Cyber City Oedo for example. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like picking an example, actually the whole committee because it was a paper-based contract system and it was never digitized, mm. like a lot of them just couldn't find the fucking draft for a while. Mm-hmm. So I mean they were like, like I mean it's, it's a perfectly natural thing. Yeah. It's not a 
a lull in confidence thing. It's like the amount of paperwork studios uh, have and move yeah. around. Well, I, I would say that is a lull in confidence well, thing because they You might say that, that but paper. I would not on the record ever suggest <laughs> right. such a lapse of responsibility. But I mean, you know what I mean? You're basically filing yes. a lot of paperwork away. If you're from the digital age, you're not going to think about filing systems for this shit because, yes. frankly, the odds of someone in Japan ever needing to dig out the contract for Cyber yeah. City to see who makes what from it, yeah. it's not there. So stuff falls away due to that. Most common problem is really the directors, like all such is like, in this case, the director himself. Well, you could buy the rights to to Venus Wars today. Excellent. But, I don't want them. Yeah, but yeah, but like, if you want to make money from it, what do you have mm. to do then for home video? Mm. Yeah. But like, I mean, no, I mean, as in what, like, genuinely, what do you do nowadays? You certainly don't release on DVD, do you? No. You film no. Blu-ray. And the director says no Blu-ray. Yeah. That's slightly not true, however, due to several people not listening. Yeah. But so like it was it's a, a stealth Blu-ray release yeah, in America. Like which basically, mm. oh, it was actually Italy who started it. They just took the master from Italy and put the English letters on. Mm. But again, it was all... Like, you can only get away with that if you're a smaller company or in Italy. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, honestly, yeah, you can't make this shit up. But I mean, no. like, you have there, to do there, that. There was a time, 20, 30 years ago, when, when communica international communication was not as swift as it is today, where, where all kinds of things yeah. would, would happen. That was such a nice understatement, was it? It's not as swift as it is not today. Not as swift as it is today. You know, you could get away with something for months and no one would notice. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's the, true, the internet. The case in point being yeah. the Japanese Thunderbirds yeah. anime, which was actually entirely commissioned and put into action and released before anyone from ITC really understood. And by that point, the guy in charge of ITC Japan uh, had owned both companies, so he would have had to sue himself. So it was all, it was all gently kind of, you know, Thanks, airbrushed yeah. over, and, and, it, and it wasn't. It, it all worked out in the end. But it, I mean, essentially, you're looking at something that was uh, yeah. unsanctioned, Whereas to say the least. Today, one listing on Amazon, and away you go on. on yeah, the, the moment he mentioned yeah. that he was doing it, it would be all over the world yeah. straight away. So I mean, um, yeah. So that's that's a thing. Um, on the subject, just to interject before we go any further. Everyone listening, that is not an announcement we are releasing Cyber City Oedo. No. Do not take that as gospel. That is the legal, no, no, I, I, I pulled, legal, gubbin, like, legal gubbins out of the way. Continue. Yeah. I pulled an example out of my, my head on what was interesting. Thank God it was here. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> I mean, genuinely, isn't it? Like, no, it's just, it's no, really no, interesting. Like, well, it's interesting to give examples as well because it's easy to give. Uh, like, it's just one example. It's the right, yes. as far as I know, right. like a yeah. fix. Let, let me give another example of something that people can't find. Macross Plus, uh -huh. uh, which, oh, yeah. which for years was used as... Was Literally what? used as an ashtray. The Macross Plush, the movie, um, the, the film cans have been used as an no. ashtray. Oh so that's, yeah. What? That's not the fucking biggest issue with that's Macross. Not the that's, like, that's like looking at the mountain yeah. of issues and picking the tiniest pebble yeah. at the side. You found the chaser <laughs> next to I mean, yeah. yeah. let's, let's not mention the fact that by saying that word you just said there about the series, yeah. lawyers from several different angles could descend and molest you for days <laughs> about your usage of the words, and you could end up with a nice tagged yeah. bill of one million pounds. Let's try not to do that. But to add to what Jonathan was saying, on the Macross Plus Blu-ray, yeah. which two people, at least two people at the table totally didn't splash out the money to import it from Japan. I don't know what you mean, on Blu-ray. <laughs> um, one of the episodes doesn't have the original English audio. It was re-recorded, and David Hayter, Solid Snake of Metal Gear Solid fame, is one of the voices in it. So they, they lost the audio. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, that part, that part is actually mm. more common than you think. It's often as well due to, like, due to just legal issues. For example, several of the old 80s dubs, mm. which are inaccessible because... It's because of it's because of technically of manga actually, mm -hmm. like not manga like, UK like, but manga US because yeah. manga US has obviously been an independent company for a time. Then it was bought by Anchor Bay. Mm -hmm. Then it was bought by the 
it's him now, but Weinstein. Now it's owned by the Scheinhardt. Like now it's owned, but it's been sold. No, it's been sold from Weinstein. Steve was it, it Starz in the US for a while? Yeah. Well, mm. it's not, no, but like the thing is, like because it's gone from through, through four different. There's a long chain of titles. There's a long chain of titles, and nobody can now. The lawyers at Lionsgate are literally now saying. We can't, we can't issue any kind of guarantee that you're yes. not going to be litigated to the eyeballs when you use it up. Yes, I mean, two, two examples I can think of off the top of my head. Gunbuster, the music and yes. effects track, has been lost, and this is well known. Yeah. Uh, so for the last you know, 20 years, Gunbuster being my favourite anime, I would love to see a good version of it on you know, Blu-ray. Um, but uh, because the music and effects track has gone, it's not possible to do a mm. dub. Um, without completely reconstructing it from the ground up. Um, and if you're not going to do a dub, then that reduces your potential market. Yeah. So people are going to go, oh, well, maybe not. Um, and I was going to give another example there of something that's really gone. Oh, yeah, um, there is a well-known title uh, released by a well-known company, and a Norwegian film festival said, we'd like to show it. And they went to the company and said, can we show Score Girl Milky Crisis, let's call it. Um, can we show this? And, and the company went, we don't know if we own it anymore because somebody, you know, because our company is a filing cabinet in another filing cabinet and someone bought us and that changed and, and we can't and we, we can't remember which contracts went to the new owner even though the new owner is in the same building and it's all very confusing for them. Um, and so you, when you're faced with something like that, you have to wing it. You think, oh, well, do we grant the rights to show this at the film festival and make 50 quid or do we not grant the rights and avoid a lawsuit? Yep. Um, it's a very difficult decision to make and, and from the outside it looks like incompetence and it is kind of incompetence but yeah. it's not necessarily the fault of the people on the ground when it happens there's no, there's no single act of incompetence it's just a slow steady accretion of nonsense yeah. nonsense. Yeah. 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 there's a the title the yeah. <laughs> and I, I get to see my students all the time they, they can't of nonsense. yeah no no, what I get with them is a complete lack of understanding about how I can't show them things that haven't been distributed in this country. Mm -hmm. yes. like, I can't show mm -hmm. them things that were distributed in the US that they bought the DVD for from Amazon last mm -hmm. week. You know, mm -hmm. I just I can't do it because legally mm -hmm. we can't. Yeah. And my students find that bizarre in yeah. this world of everything you know, everywhere, anything, That's anytime, and everywhere you want. You know? Yeah, I, I've been getting back on the con circuit, and I've particularly been pushing manga panels. Some of the big fan of manga, surprising. Um, and like, I have to get out of the way in the second slide of like, after the cat picture slide comes the slide where I say look let's not kid ourselves there is flagrantly illegal scandalizing manga mm -hmm. everywhere scans of official releases stuff that someone has knocked up in their bedroom yada yeah. let's not kid ourselves I'm not going to talk about any of that and I don't care and you can tell me about it and I'm not going to listen so that's not what I care about whatsoever so let's just get that out of the way and then people afterwards go, oh, I love your panel. Have you heard about this series? And they vomit yeah. a bunch of like yeah. Romanji nonsense at me. And it's like, yeah, I know that's you've been reading that on an aggregator site. Mm. But bless them. Um, on the subject of um, repurposing formats, mm. <laughs> I would, is I, it time? It's yeah, time. <laughs> it's time to talk about, about Eureka 7. Oh, Can right. I just step back to Venus Wars for a second? No, please. I think, I think there's a couple of things I want to talk about. Oh, oh yes. I'm sorry, yes. <laughs> if you don't mind. Um, so I think. I, you know, hi, editor in chief, fan of a feminist. So I want to talk about the female characters for a second. Um, there are there are like three major female characters, I think, and they're really interesting, except for one of them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> one of the characters, there's a character called Sue Summers, and she should have been the main character. Yeah. And she has a very interesting arc where she starts off as a naive reporter, and she's really enthusiastic about the prospect of war because it's going to be great for her career. That's fine. And over the course of the this war film, she becomes a bit more radicalised, she becomes more invested, and her arc is very, very interesting. 
Unfortunately, a lot of it is derailed by a character called Hero, who is exactly as engaging and interesting as that name suggests. <clears throat> and so the, I think they, they have interesting female characters in this. On the other end of the spectrum, though, you've got the character Maggie, who just exists to stand by Hero's side every now and again and cook mm-hmm. for him. Yeah. Oh, no, make him sandwiches. Mm. She literally makes him sandwiches. Patches him up as well. She's, <laughs> yeah. tra- she's trained to be a nurse, don't you She's know? trained to be a nurse. So you've, you've got a spectrum of uh, female characters there. Um, but there is also a depiction of a gay character, a gay mm. male character, who is, he's presented as being quite predatory. And there is a horrendous line where somebody says he's probably got AIDS. Mm. And it is such a product of its time. And everyone in the audience went, mm. and we all were just slightly horrified by that. And I think that's something that you need to be aware of going into this is that the identity, the way the way that identity is presented is very 1980s with all the, whole, the, the whole film is a, yeah. a mishmash of different 1980s aesthetics and ideas whatever popular movie was happening at the time seems to have a moment in venus wars well even a lot of tom cruise top gun stuff in there it doesn't doesn't help that chris's entire film lifespan is around four minutes from introduction to untimely demise and you even get the flashback montage at one point which is it's like, oh, maybe they'll do something with this character, even though they have already made it, ruined it with, yeah, as you mentioned, dumb comments from his workmates. And then it's just like, no, he's gone now. So It was, I, it, and I mean, even Sue, who I, th- I really liked Sue Summers as a character. I really would have liked to have seen a film about her. But her introduction is being strip searched at the airport. Oh, sorry, not the airport, like spaceport, I guess. She's arrived we on Venus. We can call it the airport. It's highly relevant. Mm. Plot point on Venus. Mm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> She's being strip searched. Like, it's, it's a horrendous introduction of a great character. Unfortunately, that kind of character introduction is all too common even now. With, with reference to Alexander Zoltan's End of Cinema, which, which talks, an End of Japanese Cinema, Very right? a new, a new, you don't need to be, but a new book which talks about what happened to the demographics of Japanese cinema in the late 20th century. Um, the question that he would ask you, were he here, is do you think the filmmakers thought for a moment any women would be watching that film? Absolutely. Probably not. No. Yeah. No, no. yeah because I, I think, I mean, it's a, it's a huge component, particularly of the anime business and, the, and yeah. particularly the video anime business uh, uh, in, in that period was that they were genuinely giving no thought whatsoever to, to, to women at all. But I think, I think we also need to acknowledge the fact there are a lot of men who don't enjoy seeing this kind of representation of female characters of great so, characters hmm. I, a lot of men read my site a lot of people contact me and say I was going to say so internationally much. just now but were they also including the possibility of anyone watch outside of Japan yeah absolutely not I there we well. go yeah, yeah, and rightly I mean, so since none of us had seen it no no I, I, <laughs> yeah but like I mean yeah like um, I mean at the time yeah, I'm being flippant on it, but yeah yeah. It's, it's the problem with the Sue Summers character as well, because she's so clearly signalled as not Japanese in mm-hmm. it. She's blonde! Yeah. She has what a rings. foreigner! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So she's she's a foreigner to Venus, but also <laughs> clearly signalled as a foreigner to the society mm-hmm. that she technically sort of kind of belongs to. Yeah. Um, and she's given a weird position, so she's given the framing story. Yeah. So in a way it is her movie. Except she just disappears for large swathes of it. Yeah. And this was a big and problem with Venus Wards as a whole, is that you could tell it was adapted from a manga. So they hadn't taken an arc from a manga yeah. and converted it into a coherent single film. They had adapted a manga. 
So you have a lot of plot strands, like that character Chris, who shows up for four minutes and yeah. then we, did, we didn't see him again. Yeah. I mean, part of that as well, sorry, um, is there's a fair female character I think you mentioned. Is there, I can't remember her name. It's Melissa? Miranda. 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 Yeah. Miranda is your strong female character. Yeah, she even has shoulder pads. Yeah, she's the cozy strong female character with a shock of red hair who yeah. is very sort of like, you know, sort of saying damn and blasting, kicking things. Mm-hmm. And like, but who physically strong and, and has put, to physically strip and then put on a biker gear yeah, halfway yeah, through the movie. Yeah. Yeah. But also, like, has yeah. the, is this like obvious wealth potential of like foreshadowing forever and like nothing happens like nothing happens she at one point just vanishes from the film and that's it and it's intensely frustrating because you've just had it at one point I was actually starting to dread it towards the last third or what I hoped was the last third because time started to lose meaning (laughs) time dilation does occur yeah that that movie that movie goes long and it's very aimless as mentioned due to the manga structure but I was I was sat there thinking Man, she hasn't done a lot lately, but she's still a strong presence. I bet they're going to kill her off for a dramatic effect, and I'm going to be really upset when that happens. At least they didn't, which just means that I have little faith in the well, film. This is so. the thing: is the bar is set quite low going exactly. into it. So I was actually pleased that there was a a range of female characterization oh, yeah. Yeah. within the film. That said, just thinking about it, I'm thinking, does it pass Beck Bell? I'm, I'm not sure. It, probably not. I don't think Given any the fact, of the women talk to each other at any point. No, no, They're never in the same scene, um, even. Which, which is not to say there aren't complex characters in there. Sure, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, no, <laughs> is reductive, but yeah. at, at the same time, it's just. At the same time, I don't really see much from Sue Summers either because her entire character turn happens when her beloved hubby boyfriend dies in a really stupid Spoiler. accident. <laughs> oh, Elliot, you've ruined it for everyone now. 24 years. Someone could just be sitting down to watch an ad, like, I'll tune in. While I'm watching oh, this, like a multi-tab, and they're just hearing you say that now, Elliot. Well, Rainer and I were talking about Zero this. Rainer and I were talking about this last night, and and she made a very good point that if you made the film today, it would be Sue Summers' story, yeah. and yeah. the boyfriend would not be a factor. They might still be a factor, but he mm. hopefully not. Probably wouldn't be a factor. It would just be about a woman being radicalized through mm. the course of her career, and it, it is just a sign of how much things have changed. And I think you need to bear in mind that aspect when you go into this film if you've not already been spoiled by Elliot. And I I just want to mention (laughs) Andrew the Cat. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very important. We're gonna I I suspect we'll circle back around to this idea of cats and dogs (laughs) a little bit later on when we get to Lou over the wall. But just to mention that it Andrew the Cat is the best character in it. Andrew the Cat's wonderful. I thoroughly enjoyed every moment he spent on the screen. Yeah. Yeah. I must admit, I did like the, well, one thing, just not to be a complete sort of like downer party, but I did like the backdrops a great deal. <laughs> it was really, it was really, downer <clears throat> on the party of hate. <laughs> but no, I, I, no, I mean like <laughs> that's right, raise us, drag us upwards to uh, optimism well, and yeah. positivity. I, mean, I liked it because it had the whole. It, it, it looked like a nice, like you know, underdone and then war torn area. Apart from when it goes out into the middle of the desert, at which point it's like, yeah, that's rocks. But <laughs> the cityscape scenes <laughs> are amazing. And also live action. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. I, I keep constantly saying things like, I don't like the Western genre. I don't like war movies and then I find myself watching lots and lots and lots Western of them like <laughs> Western yeah. war movies all yeah. the time and one of the things that I said at the beginning of this was that I feel like this is for me because I'm that old just a nostalgia trip in some yeah. ways and for me the best part about it was going back to that non-CG animated yeah. era yes. and yeah. seeing <clears throat> the difficulties they had keeping the layers moving in sync mm. and but still pulling it off but pulling it off pulling it yeah. off you know, yeah. and doing yeah. the experiments to save money where they just shot the background in live action and then processed it <laughs> yeah. and, I mean, there was one moment though where they just they show a road like he's driving yeah. on the road yeah. Yeah. and this sequence 
goes on. And it got to a point where we were just laughing. Oh, <laughs> we're like, that, that happens in Storm Nova as well that, sometimes. That was the weird sound moment for me in this, because the movie starts completely silent, to the point where there's there's kind of Star Wars-style scrolling happening, telling you what's going on. <sighs> and it's going on for so long, I'm like, has the sound not worked? It's exactly what Andy and I thought in Glasgow. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm not going to lie, really... testing with DCP, I also was like, oh. Oh, But then you get to the end of the movie, and you have not one end theme song, but two. two. Yeah. You get spoiled at the end of the movie. I thoroughly really enjoyed the soundtrack. I just want to put oh, a bit. soundtrack. You could just listen to it about the film. Possibly. Yeah. yeah. A, a vinyl release would be ideal for it. I mean, when, when there was the first ending song and it ended, and the second ending song immediately picked yeah. up, everyone laughed. It's like, yeah. what? Yeah. <laughs> this is absurd. And that's, I think, you know, I'm saying, you know, go into it making sure that you're aware it's an 80s film. That's also in a good sense because yeah. it, had, yeah. it had an actual training montage. Rocky，你知道吗？那么，那么，那么，那么，那么，那么，那么，那么，那么，那么，那么，那么，那么，那么，那么，那么，那么，那么，那么，那么，那么，那么，那么，那么，那么，那么，那么，那么，那么，那么
uh, he, he, he literally, literally talking yeah, yeah, about, about, about the, the craft of using your hand rather than, say, constructing something yeah. with a mouse uh, out of you know, yeah. bits that some you know, Chinese minion has assembled for you somewhere else and emailed down a phone line to yeah. you. And, and he, was, he was specifically talking about the robots. He was talking yeah. about the yeah. mechs, which and, is often CG. There's yeah. a lot of caveats so, on this. Yeah, but that's, that's and, kind of what I was getting at. And motion And this is a problem that we've had a couple of times. This I mean, it hasn't really been apparent in the festival, but there are nuances within the animation business when yeah. people use certain terminology that mm. don't necessarily carry across yeah. mm. um, to the audience, particularly in a very short amount of time. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm getting slagged off on Twitter at the moment for, for some of the things I've said in, the, in my introduction. You always do every year. I, mean, I like, know. This isn't, like, but, uh, this isn't even the shock anymore to me. It's just, it's a new person. Excellent. Yeah, I, I, yes, I'm <laughs> a new non-fan. I'll add that to my list. Um, about the use of the term chief director, yeah. uh, which, which is something that actually came up with Tomoki Kilder in the Q&A. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's the chief director of Eureka 7. And I said, what's that mean exactly? And he's like, well, I wish you hadn't asked me that. Uh, um, <laughs> because in his case, it means the most important person on the production uh, was his explanation. Yes. Um, in other cases, it means the person who, whose name has been attached to something in order to get it made. And so it's what we would call a producer. Yeah. And the most, the most famous case of this being on Perfect Blue, Katsuhiro Otomo was yeah. offered a chief director position. And he said, all I did was put two people together in a pub. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's, that's a valuable service. It's a useful yeah. step. Yeah. It's a very, uh, the, 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 the film would not have been made until he put these two people together in a pub. I think yeah. he knew the author personally and yeah. he knew the producer or something. But he said, this does not make me a chief director. And he really didn't want his name to be shiroed into, the, into <laughs> oblivion by constantly <laughs> being associated yeah. with things he wasn't really involved in. So he has an executive producer credit, I think, on Perfect Blue. He does. For that meeting in that pub. And that's it. However, you get someone like uh, Akiyuki Shinbo, who I notice on your program you are not crediting as the director of fireworks. No. You're crediting Nobuyuki Takeuchi, yes. who quite possibly he is did, the actual director. Who did the real work. Yeah. Mm. And yet, Akiyuki Shinbo is the one who's doing the interviews, yeah. doing the press. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's an interesting story. Yeah. So, um, but um, you know, my my point is, is that since the dark ages, it's been very difficult in Japan to work out who's in charge of anything yeah. and who is actually yeah. responsible. And when it comes to authorship of a film, which is always a problematic area anyway, you know, academically, who does this film belong to when it's a collaborative process involving yeah. four hundred people? Mm -hmm. yeah. But the names at the top, particularly if you're a film festival, yeah. you know, who do we invite? Yeah. And and who do we get? Because they're you know, I, I have the, in the worst position. Of my journalistic career was when I was sent to interview a producer who turned out to be an accountant. <gasps> oh no! And wow. literally, her job was to sign the checks. And I and I, and and I had been pushed into this meeting with someone who really didn't want to talk yeah. about the film because she knew nothing about it, and it was a waste of everybody's time. So, on, on the Venus was topic before we move it on to Eureka. We're never going to get to try, everyone. It ties into both. It's not. It's not yeah. about the film. It's a technicality mm -hmm. point from a festival director's point of view on stuff. It's yeah. when you're like, and the license source perspective, actually, the same thing for me. I run a, a test, basically, which I call, like, basically, because we obviously have to watch things on screen, mostly. Mm -hmm. I call it the watch test. Do I, during a film especially, do if I I'm watching screener, watch? do I pause the film, look at my watch, realize I need to do something? So I normally watch them on flights, because then you're on a restricted thing. The only thing you can do yeah. is flights, get up and go to the bathroom mm. or something. Is going to the bathroom more preferable than continuing this? <laughs> And I have to I think say, you call it the piss test. Like, I mean, yeah. no, no, I mean, it's more like a swab of what, like, you know, what I mean, like, that's like the only other thing you can do really, unless you're gonna like get distracted, is, is yeah. that. And like, I have to say, Venus, like, a lot of films this year failed that test for me. Yeah. yeah. Like, um, Venus was was one of those. Like, I enjoyed it, but like, it was one where I was like, 
I, I can wait. Like, I mean, yeah. something like Anthem of the Heart, however, I was like, well, no, I need to sit for it. I'm bursting on the plane. I'm like, well, I'm going to finish this film first. The tears streaming down. It's like, oh, <laughs> coming out of it. A horrible, a horrible sight for me. Yeah. Yeah, coming out of it. But yes. Yeah, I was yeah. bored out of my mind in Venus Wars. I really yeah. was. Like, I found some nice things to say yeah. about it for this and some things that I genuinely appreciated. Mm. But there were so many points where I wished I could switch off. Yeah. Yeah. But that was also true of Eureka 7, not because yes. I was Thank you. Yeah, that, That's what I was going to say. Eureka 7 also failed to watch test. You know it's a, you know it's a podcast because you've got to call out the segue. But Eureka 7, <laughs> for me, was also one that I would have switched off many times, not because I was bored, but because it was really difficult to penetrate. It was mm. incomprehensible as somebody who hadn't seen the TV show, yeah. as somebody who knew nothing about the story going into it. Mm. Uh, you have the first 26 minutes exactly. I know this because I was actually watching the time pass mm. because you have this extended sequence, which is it's great. I was really interested. And the whole time, I was expecting it to jump forward in time. This is the and summer of love for anyone who's the interested. Summer the summer of love is the first 26 minutes. The acid jazz is not in sync. <laughs> my favorite film. line. My favorite yeah. line by far. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it spent, for that 26 minutes, I mean, after about 10 minutes, I was like, okay, this is either a flashback or this is, it's, we're going to flashback from this and see what led to it. I don't know which it's going to be, but I'm ready. 26 minutes in, it finally happens and it doesn't stop happening. It jumps forward, it jumps back. It shows you glimpses of what you know must be massive storylines. Mm. And it feels like a TV recap episode, even if you didn't know it was based on a TV show. Yeah. It feels like a TV recap episode. Well, one thing that kind of tips you off is that it's, it's then in 4.3. <laughs> so you, you get tunnel vision yeah. through For that. those of you watching in black and white, 4.3 is television resolution from 20 years ago. <laughs> I Sorry. didn't even notice that. Actually. Okay, so yeah, if I met... It, so. it does go from beautiful widescreen to not so much. What yeah, it goes, it goes to TV. TV quality animation, half decent TV quality animation, yeah. but TV quality animation. And redone sometimes. Yes, yeah, yeah very you, briefly. You, you can see, you can kind of see the scenes in some well, points. Yeah. But even that twenty-six minutes, every two seconds there are long and complicated subtitles flashing up, giving you absolutely unnecessary information about While what characters are talking. While characters are talking, <laughs> but even without the subtitles, I mean, I understand enough Japanese that I can read what's on screen and still kind of keep up. But it wasn't unnecessary. It was, this is a spacesuit that is used for going out in space. This is, this is the taco. taco. Yeah, yeah. In and case you don't know what food looks like, this it, is it. It gets to a point where it's even redundant. It seems like yeah. they're just doing it because they've started, so we might as well continue. So the example we, I was using yesterday... We paid for this effect in After Effects. The example I was using yesterday was as, as when they introduced the main character, Renton, which is very jarring if you've ever seen <laughs> Train Spotting. And it comes up with, on screen, Renton Beams, 14 years old. And then there is a voiceover saying, this is Renton Beams, he's 14 years old. It's utterly unnecessary. It's funny that, isn't it? It's mm. terrible storytelling. Well, so, Are you yeah, allowed to yeah. tell us the story about the, the well, on-screen subtitles? It's a material... Well, for, for starters, like, like before we even get to that, it's a fucking materials nightmare. I mean, me and our uh, projectionist refer to it as... Uh, like, like, projection the materials guy all around. Yes, you are. Like, refer to it as a fucking nightmare to prepare. <laughs> because, <laughs> well, here's the thing. Like, most, like, like Japanese films, like, especially anime, are terrible for the for any international audience, for a projection crowd. Mm. The reason is straightforward. It's because they use too many subtitles. They yes. break the rule. There is an international standard for subtitles. Yeah. I'm sorry, I'm going this direction. No, I'm go for it. Go but for there's it. Um, an international standard for subtitling, which goes... 
like which goes that you shouldn't have any more than a certain amount of text on screen at a yeah, time you and you shouldn't you position it anywhere barring the bottom of the screen like yeah. that is where it's when you see the subtitles at the top and fans complaining there's no subtitles at the top it's incredibly inaccurate as a DCP mm. or a projection I was very upset by the cinema experience you're a fucking idiot because <laughs> they're not designed that way it, you you complain I went to the local Odeon and I couldn't see the film there were no subtitles that's why there's no subtitles yeah. because the DCP legitimately breaks projectors <clears throat> it's not the projection it's not the print's fault hmm. like it's absolutely not it's a digital package it's, I, you couldn't 35mm this could happen as a problem you could get a reel without subs now you it's the same file everywhere because this is my question about it the this is a film that is made for fans of the TV show. It very clearly is yeah. made for fans of the TV yes. show. So why is all of that textual information written all over the screen all the time? Because it's this, is the sale, and this, oh, so, is the this is the sale, and this is also the sale. Because it's a fan wine. It's, it's, it's the technical manual. Well, it's, it's not even that. So basically, what's happened here is, if you, like, have you seen the TV series before? No. Okay, great. So it's like, like Elliot has. <laughs> yes. So great. I got straight so that. basically, what happened is they've taken... The TV story and footage, and repurposed a lot of that to make something. So some of it is a mix of them thinking like it's Dune syndrome all over again. Mm. Dune syndrome, basically. Mm. You, they, 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 the producers panicked and thought, shit, no one's gonna understand things like Trapper, Scab, Coral. We better throw in a glossary, and since you can't I, go around internationally, she, I, I didn't see that when I went to see the film. I saw something that may well have had the same rationale, yeah. which is that. When uh, Hideaki Anno did Gunbuster and Evangelion, there were on-screen titles explaining who people were, particularly in the battle scenes. And yeah. that was his homage to The Battle of Okinawa, the film from 1971, which was live action, which is referenced copiously in the final episode yeah. of Gunbuster and also in the Evangelion. That, you know, when a, when a character runs on screen and it's yeah. some kind of general or other, it'll give you their name. And possibly mm -hmm. the and it does this it, all the it, time, it and it's be, such yeah. a pet yeah. peeve of mine because, like, it's, again, it feels like bad storytelling. If you can't communicate <clears throat> who these people are and how they fit yeah. into the yeah. world through your story, so, but don't I put it like I think the, the, the idea in The Battle of Okinawa was that these are real people, and so we, we, are, we are not point. We are telling you every time someone turns up on screen. Yeah, we are crediting them. Yeah, this yeah. is a real person with a real life story who was really there, yeah. and I think Anor was kind of referencing that in Evangelion. And what Eureka yeah. Seven is very much to me is a, is a, someone's desperate grasping at straws attempt yeah. to do the Evangelion movies well, for Eureka Seven. Yeah, they're, they're trying and to they do seem to be real. copying that without really appreciating why Anor was doing it in the first yeah. place. Also, both on the also on the case of the source material, like so, as the one person who's watched as one of the as the one judge who's watched the Evangelion TV, <laughs> no, as one person who's watched the Eureka Seven TV <laughs> series. Yeah, yeah, good. <laughs> cool, but it's an Evangelion. <laughs> is it tasty? <laughs> I hear it's like a taco. Uh, um, What's a taco? I wish I'll, someone would put some subtitles on the screen for me to see that. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I have a different thing on this. So for the for Eureka Seven, I full admission I have not really watched the entire TV series. Um, I have made three attempts to watch it, and I get to episode twenty six and Peter off. Like, you don't I, need to watch beyond episode. I, I, you, as you've told me three That's times this weekend, Andrew. It's my favorite character. <laughs> but no, I, I, so this movie is a really bizarre thing for me because like it has the summer of love in the first twenty six minutes as mm -hmm. uh, time to Amelia. Um, which is the pivotal moment that sets off all the events of the Eureka 7 universe because it's this massive crazy event where basically Renton's dad, Ardok, is trying to save the world but his plan that he set up meticulously and is being executed is wrong somehow or he needs to rectify it in motion and 
it goes bananas from there CG explosion acid jazz etc <laughs> and then it skips forward to being about Renton and it just it takes this is much clearer than the film that yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah no it, I'm, I'm, I am I am simmering down a lot of cut forward and cut back with the words playback play forward yes. which I know that some of our friends um, in, the, in the enthusiast press have been ripping on mer- mercilessly ever since but so it takes a, it doesn't even take the beginning of Renton's story it takes like a, a, a like a middle to early section where he runs away from home joins up with a group of resistance people called the gecko called the, on the gecko go the gecko can i think and they're on this ugly ass ship and they're a bunch of misfits who survived the war blah 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 washed out the military they have eureka eureka sorry who is this pseudo alien girl and then he washes out of that lot and then joins up with this like pmc couple ray and charles beams who are a lovely, awesome. wonderful character? Who are my, my yeah? Who are my favourite characters yeah. in the entirety of Yuka Seven? And the entire reason why I actually kind of like this film because it took the what parts I liked out of Eureka 7 from the TV show and said oh by the way the last hour of this movie is flat out just all the bits you like except for when it even starts repeating those in its yeah. own recap repeat mm. and it's like wait no you've already done this you don't need to recap the recap you're yeah. what are you doing um, so yeah that's so that's what happens isn't it and then at the end it's got Renton finally like pulling in pulling his his like shoelaces up and going okay I need to like go out and get it for yourself and there's mm. a lot of there's a lot of adages in this film that have capital letters of like, don't beg for it, go out there and earn it for yourself. And I'm probably murdering them and paraphrasing them. But oh, no, it's a lot. I think they're already dead. Like, yeah. We're flogging it. They're, they're basically yeah, reusing them both from the, the TV series, which yeah. is even worse. Not then, worse, but like. And then at the end, at the very end, at the, at the preview, and hey, you've been warned about this already by Jeremy at the start of the show. But it, I feel like it's pulling like an Evangelion rebuild preview where it's like, check out all this wacky shit. Check it out. You should come back. Idols. Please uh, come back. Yeah, please come back. <laughs> please come back for the second one. It might be markedly different. Mm. Although I've, not, I've, I've what I've heard suggests that it will be different, but yeah. not necessarily in the way the trailer and No, so I'm betting it's an Evangelion rebuild movie um, trailer where it's all bullshit. What's and ridiculous? Quite possibly. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a mo- I think it's a smoke screen. The, tra- the preview at the end because they have no idea what they're doing. Leaping backwards to the subtitle point, Bo. Yeah, I might do that. Flip side of the argument, like no, not the sub. Titles of fucking DCTV on screen text, yes. yeah. like surtitles, I guess. Sorry, yeah. Like the other argument you could put forward to me, like, I mean, you're right about like Evangelion is certainly a nod to it, but the other thing about it, which is interesting if you've seen the TV series or most recently edited a 144 page art book and had to go through the fucking terminology, if you've, yeah. done, is, that. If you've done that, like you, you pick up quite quickly, they're trying to course correct as well through some very weird things so there's a lot of changes they are implementing through the subtitles yes. like Gecko yes. so Absolutely. you brought before they don't reference Gecko State at all yeah. in the film Gecko State is a terrorist group that's yes. basically well terrorist group providing the truth about the world against the and world government. Is that yeah. what they're but, doing? Oh, no, it's not a misfit. But it's also... The also subtitles say that they are facility guards, which is a facility to protect you. Oh, like, I picked up because I was like, the fuck is going on here? That is not in the original. Yeah. Because this is the most was, undeveloped, underdeveloped storyline. So you well, see... It's because you're, you're getting a chunk that's yeah. three arcs into a TV show. Yeah. And they're trying to... Like, they're trying to launch it some... T- I'm not even sure we know... 
I'm not even sure necessarily. They know. They know. The scriptwriter knows. I, I, like me and John have discussed this before. Yeah. We're pretty sure there is a meeting where the director ever asked the scriptwriter, there is a plan, right, for where we're going. Like, oh, yeah, there's definitely a plan. There is not a plan. Keep writing. Yeah, I feel but, like the, the, this film is like an attempt, like attempt to revive a franchise, but also like there is there is some chicanery afoot in yes, the structure and, and of what they're doing. Yeah. And very much like yes. the Evangelion I mean, movies, the first Evangelion rebuild movie is straightforward. No, no, it's not. Oh, but it has its kinks to it, but it is a retelling, but it, it's it, got the, the edges of the chamfer. It, it is a, yeah. it is a yeah. retelling, but if you are a hardcore Eva fan, oh, yeah, through I, the Evangelion but I don't remember the character being that way before. The yeah. characters have been subtly shifted. But even yeah. but it's more, it's more, um, it's even more the world state. Like you can sit yeah. there as, as a horrible ever nerd and go, that's different, that's different, that's different. Yes. Here is my Imgur gallery where I yeah. pick it apart yes. and then I go on a frothing. Sounds like someone's break. done some work before Elliot. Yeah, <laughs> I love watching the internet do its merry dance around itself. Yeah, but, but I, I don't think there's a a, bl- a bluffing game being played as yeah. well the, yeah. the Emperor's New Clothes yeah. are you prepared to call this as a shit film or are you going to say no no I'm sure there's something flying way over my head that I'm not noticing oh, no, I'm still if I stroke my chin yeah. and wear my beret and sit my espresso and think about this really hard am I not noticing something that you know marks this out as a mm. heart staggering heart, heartbreaking work of staggering genius no. it and was that, the worst storytelling I saw even someone who even someone who like remembers quite well the, the TV show sections it's recapping it's like this is really disjointed and really irritating to watch because it's just it's like three days ago five days ago six days ago 26, 26 seconds ago it's like oh fuck off I mean like, like fuck you, you lose count after the first two play forwards play backs yeah. yeah. not because the, the, like I desperately did try and when I watched in the cinema I'd watch the screen at once I desperately did try and sit down this time I was like I've read I know what's going on I know what I'm getting into here let's try and follow these play forwards and play backs and by the time you get to the third one it's pointless yeah, yeah. It's, it's literally like there's reuse of scenes which is just so they can play a different soundtrack mm-hmm. to reflect yeah. like what they like I mean I think it's suffering from a syndrome as well where they they're pretty certain they're clever about where it's going and that if people just stay around I, I genuinely think they believe that mm. the, the, the second one would be the clever one but I, would, I would like to quote Dr. Raina Dennison from yeah. last night on this one <laughs> Uh, well, I like how I'm sitting here and I'm getting quoted. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you, you, you said that you don't object to Geki Joban. Uh, you I don't mean, mind cinema versions like of anime, Joban, yeah. but it has a duty to be intelligible. Yes. Yeah. yes. No, absolutely. Yeah. And like, I think that's the the biggest. This, like, if you have to compare it to Evangelion 1.11 and this, it falls yeah. straight through the ground mm-hmm. yeah. automatically because. 1.11 manages to convey, admittedly, yeah. like to a casual observer, not an Evangelion fanboy, a casual observer who's seen the TV series at like when it was on back in the day or bought the game, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like and 1.11, yeah. you're like this retail. Like you, like if you are someone a casual viewer like that, mm-hmm. wants to describe one and two, yeah. like Evangelion one and two, they would tell you one is retelling the first nine episodes, mm-hmm. and that's like to get the framing set up. Mm-hmm. Two deviates and, a re- and is really cool. And then if you ask them about free, they might just cry. Who knows? Yeah. But I mean, but, uh, this, this like, is not a game I want to play, though. I call this an Utena gambit from people saying, if you only watch the next 26 episodes, you will understand. No, no, but like, my, my point, is, like, hours. My point is that Eureka 7 fails that test yeah. because yeah. the first, to make a, get, like, a, like a Geki Joban series like that, a series of films, so not even just one yeah. successful, you have to have the first one. Yeah. That's almost a mind-numbingly, boringly solid. Yeah, but like framing it's, it, so, it's, so sorry. Sorry. No, 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 please go ahead it, it's problematic on a number of levels if you're selling this to fans yeah 
all the on-screen text will be annoying to them because they will know a lot Can of I? what they're seeing. But equally, if you're selling this to fans and it's just essentially a 90-minute recap episode, yeah. what's the point? 26 minutes of which are new footage that is very pretty but isn't particularly comprehensible, mm. I, think, no. I think you've got a problem there because what you're doing is basically saying, here's your new stuff, and then you're making them sit there for another 45 minutes to an hour with yeah, nothing, nothing, nothing new. Yeah. If, Can I just if ask I may... if, if this, this story is true? I heard that somebody walked out after 30 minutes and gave yes. it five stars. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's the best experience. That person, that person knew what they were that going for. That person is very savvy to what was <laughs> they, going they, on. They, they, they had an idea right. in mind and they executed. They were like, I've seen what I came here for. Yeah. I'm off. You're, yeah. Five stars in that 26 minutes. If I may, if I may dissent, Raina, slightly. Um, but this is my... Not, no, not argument. It's more just me saying. I'm a nerd. Okay. Yes. Yeah, debate. It's it's more just Elliot is a nerd, but I so I will admit fully, like if I could have watched that movie without the subtitles all over it, I would totally do that, and I'd love that actually better as a first viewing experience. But as a nerd and someone who loves Mindyate and world building and reading wikis about things, like I loved all the on-screen text because I love all that dorky, stupid Mindyate. Leave it on the screen. But also at the same time, it's much, much easier if I'd have had it in a booklet. I could have read yeah. rather than on screen constantly. It reminded, it brought to mind like sure memories. Someone's going to sell you the booklet. Or something. Do you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, this this so, was what I was. This was the, <laughs> you're actually doing me a favor because you're cool. leading up to the point I was going to make. Oh, sorry. Which was that. <laughs> I've got to say, this feels like a fan-made film rather than being a professional film. Yeah, in a lot of ways yeah. because it's got all those. Burn. Well, it, <laughs> yeah. I don't not, think it is even necessarily a film. I think it's, it's got all the on-screen edits. It's yeah. got the subtitles bouncing yeah. all over the screen. Yeah, I mean, it feels. I mean, in 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 the best possible way. I love Studio Bones. The artwork is amazing. That first twenty-six minutes is beautiful. Ray and Charles are fun characters that are well designed yeah. to flash us all back to the 1970s and mm. happy, happy ways. But I, I do think there's just something going on there with the way this is structured that it feels like, yes, it's made by fans for fans. Yeah, I mean, like, like I say, like the Summer yeah. of Love at the first 26 minutes has never been shown before. Yeah. They've never even flashed back to it. It's just mm. this thing that it's hangs over. To, yeah. yeah, it's referred to endlessly. It is a big discontinuity and dislocation in everyone in that universe's lives. And so basically it is, excuse the phrasing, but it is basically a giant hand job to the fans to just go, here's the summer of yeah. love at last. Yeah, but is it? I mean, interestingly, Mark Schilling, like of the Japan Times, did refer to the fact, or maybe it was someone else as well. No, but, Schilling did it. But Schilling did it too, I think. But like they pointed out that actually, I don't think it is a, like a hand job to the fans or a fan service fans. I think it's what they think would be a hand job. It's like yeah. getting sandpaper and saying, this is probably oh, a hand job as well, you know? Oh. It's like, there we go, Jonathan, the disturbing. But like, I mean, the point is, is that like- the, I try so hard. They, like, the, the point is, is that they, they tried to, they angled it that direction and then it just kind of- Missed. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm pretty you, sure- You were saying it, 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 has prob it has possibly failed even the parameters set for it by the people who made it. Well, yeah, I mean, like people were saying, like out of the first few screenings, like that, it felt like it was designed for the eld like the, the middle aged male audience. Mm -hmm. Like basically oh, no, the I original T V series. Like that, that was in the That was enough that was a that was, a that no. was a review of an American screening at Yeah, the Autocon screening. And, and, and I can't mm -hmm. remember the reviewer's name now, but, but he said, you know, this has yeah. been clearly made by a bunch of middle aged men who are now privileging the experience of a middle aged man yeah. because suddenly they are him. If that yeah. makes sense. Well, they, they, there was more sympathy for Adrock. So, so yeah, now we care about it. Renton's dad because the people making this film are the same age as him. Yeah. Yeah. And everything that comes out of his mouth is something important and uh, meaningful. Yes, yes. Horrible, like, He'll be remembered. Viewing yeah. into the, the spoiler territory as well, 
Am I right in saying he basically admits in the Summer of Love stuff to faking the entire experiment that would save the Earth and he was just fucking bluffing it and winging it to the end. Then at the end he's like, I might have made a mistake here. What if I kill a few more people and try and correct the mistake by making an even bigger mistake? It- that's kind so of no, that's think, the allegory of the film's own production. Yeah, so. yeah. But I mean, from, from, what I, from what I remember and gather, I may I may get some angry tweets from people who actually ask scholars or have run a wiki about it. But like, I, well, what I gather is that what was going to happen in the Summer of Love was the actual destruction of the Earth, and then Ardok managed to like ameliorate it with jumping in like an Egypt at the end. Mm. Because um, the yeah due to other sort of political machinations which later come back in Eureka Seven mainline which is not interesting at all and you don't need to worry about <laughs> so yeah it's and, and the main thing about it is that then Ardrock because he's dead he's buggered off or vanished yeah. or whatever the hell happens to him like the entire world government can be like great we can just pin it, we can pin it all on him we can use him as a national hero and a martyr we're done but I think the like based on what happens in the, the second half of the TV series as well the implication from the whole thing is the summer of love was caused by Adrock as well yeah well, like the whole thing was well, brought out so he fucked it up and then well, he also without, without the, so the idea about the summer of love was the entire point was that the earth was rapidly about to become completely uninhabitable due to the coral, oh, the coral yeah yeah like the, humanity was already about to die and they're like oh we better fix this oh no Adrock got it wrong uh, oh course correct this is again more interesting than actually some, yeah. a good yeah. chunk of what you, you want. You guys are telling me a lot of stuff I did not get yet. And that is that's the problem. That's the problem. There's, there's all this information packed into it and it doesn't communicate. Or it's not even there at all because you have to have watched a TV show before. So. Yeah, it doesn't tell which is, which is not good, Which I'm not saying is a good thing or an excuse. I'm saying it's bad. And it's I, will, yeah. I will always want a character to latch onto, really. And yeah. I tried really hard to kind of get behind Renton and understand. No, 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 no. Okay, guys, yeah, I agree with He's you. He's a wanker. <laughs> like, He's a... Oh, yeah. the pro- okay, okay, okay. <laughs> what I'm saying is that the film doesn't tell a story of a character arc at all, but it tries no. to act like no. it does. So the very end, you have Renton making a very key decision based on two sets of key relationships. One is with Ray and Charles, which they, is a story they give probably the most time to, and I quite enjoyed that. I wish they'd told that story properly. Uh, I wish they had the yeah. time with Ray and Charles. The other... Yeah. The other relationship that he has is with Eureka, and yeah. that is the that is the key Max, yeah. relationship yeah. that leads to his defining decision that kicks off the second film. Yeah, yeah. it is not explored at all. But yeah, well, it's... that's the thing because because they because the time slice they chose for this film they missed out every single thing before it about him meeting Eureka and all of that initial sort of arc. That's yeah. the that's like the second storyline of the TV show and just pff, gone. I mean, yeah. so, <laughs> play backwards. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Bad. sorry, I'm Bad. so sorry. Bad. But like, but like Bad at the same time, though, like going backwards on the whole thing as well. But the, the thing which actually, like you mentioned before, about being Ray and Charles for the film, it was a good thing that for me that was actually like as a fan. Like, I mean, it's like it's something we've already worked out how. Like, assuming that the second film plays out, like how to handle that on a business side. But as a fan, like as someone who enjoyed the TV series, okay, like. I think they took the best elements and ruined them. Like, I mean, they took Ray and Charles. The Ray and Charles storyline is a central point of the midway through 50-episode series. He has been through... He's realised he's killed people, real people. He, up until a point in the show, he thinks he's piloting a toy robot, basically. I mean, he doesn't think that the other suits have people in them until he crushes one and realises his hand has a dead person in it. Mm-hmm. And it's like that moment of repulsion and shock that drives him to leave... Like the gecko state, because he's mm. questioning everything he's done. He's killed 
God, slews of people. Yeah, he's, he's, like, he's, he's been very good at he's, it. He's actually probably got a pretty good like death toll behind him, and no one's bothered to tell him. Mm. No one on the ship told him, well done for killing those people or such. And in his mind, he's like, well, why wouldn't you tell me there were people in that suit? Because well, like, all the rest of my ex-military is like, yeah, of course you are, idiot. Like, so, come on. Everyone almost systematically on the Gecko Go has abused him, basically, mm. because to them he and he is a whiny kid, and like no one wants to give him the time of day. Like... Holland on that ship has deep issues with the fact that he he fancy really fancy got quite into Brenton's sister like a long time before and like the sister left etc. He's still Brenton free. has a sister. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> it's, it's, it's in the photo briefly at the beginning of Summer of Love. Weren't you paying attention? Uh, yeah. No. Like that's I exactly it. She's she means she's no no. no she's she's the back there's a sister head, as well right? in it as well. But like it's oh, that's that, a, that back the sister head in a photo. But the sister clearly conveyed sister. a problem. Yeah. But the sister barely exists in any of the media. So. But like again, the point is, is that like one of Holland's deep seated personality issues he hates Renton because it reminds him of everything mm-hmm. that's been before in his life and everything he's fucked up like and basically when he meets Ray and Charles he's gone from an abusive situation to a situation of two people who Ray can't have children and like they adopt Rent, they take Renton on at that point as a family they, they really it grows on them quite quickly it's meant to only happen in a couple of weeks then this felt like, oh, he adopted them, the, the, the Beamses have adopted them. And you just don't feel it. Yeah. From the first point, they're like, have you run away from home? You're like, really? I don't feel like there's a, a father-son relationship yeah. going but like, on that, here. That is a story that they actually could have told as yeah. well. It's yeah. two people without children mm. learning how to become mm. parents and him learning how to be parented yeah. because he's, he's not been in yeah. that situation. Yeah. That's not the story they told. No, it would have been a great story I if it were. I really enjoyed that. But part of the problem there is with the flash-forward flashbacks style of storytelling you don't get anything in any kind of order no. so yeah. you don't get to feel that emotional connection no to any yeah. characters I, I think more importantly is it just shears away so much context from all of that because yeah. again to kind of go back to your idea that this could have been a fan made film in terms of the story arcs they've picked and kind of you know the yeah. things they've chosen to focus on yes that is what the fans would have picked but yeah. they've pulled away all of the connective yeah. tissue that makes any of that important yeah. like yeah. that was the hardest thing for me to watch again as somebody who's watched the show and likes it to see events that I really enjoyed and some really good kind of dramatic arts kind of taken but just plonked down without any of the context yeah. around yeah. it. Yeah. It completely removes that kind yeah. of connection. You've got to move you on to fireworks, people. You spent far too much time. You spent more than 26 minutes on Eureka 7. <laughs> it leads on, well, speaking of pseudo-time travel, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. Fireworks. Fireworks was a disappointment. Yes. I, I enjoy time travel stories that we've had so far. I love The Girl Who Let Through Time. I enjoyed and appreciated your name. I mean, I don't I don't want to compare this to your name because it's always going to suffer and because they were presumably being made at the same time. No, no, no. this is a reaction to your name, sir. So. Well, it's oh, the same really? producer, so it's his follow-up project. it's gone from disappointing to utterly inexcusable. <laughs> Same producer. I, same producer produced your name, the boy and the beast. Yeah. Interestingly enough, uh, of stuff. So your name is is not the unusual one in the set for him, but I mean, I was giving it something of a pass based on the idea that the the two just were being produced at the same time. If that didn't happen, no, utterly inexcusable. Um, oh. It was an uninspired use of time travel. It was nowhere near as interesting or exploratory as the girl who leapt through time. Mm-hmm. And that came out years um, ago, right? What is it about fireworks? Oh, yeah. 
Fireworks. I'm really bad at plot summaries. If I may, sorry. What is the elevator pitch? So Fireworks <laughs> is a, about a boy and a girl who are 14-ish, I think, middle school, late middle school. Yeah. yeah um, you mm-hmm. have the boy Norimichi, um, who is kind of a shorty, and what's her name? Nazuna. Nazuna, thank you. Yeah, I only heard it 400 times. <laughs> um, so... Norimichi and that Norimichi and Nazna are in this sleepy, quiet, like countryside town in middle school. Um, cut out like twenty minutes of faffing around at the start, and uh, Nazna is Nazna's mum has remarried and going to be taking her away. Um, they have like like Norimichi and one of his other weird mates. I can't remember the name of um, Yusuke. Yusuke. Yusuke the prick. Um, <laughs> so Yusuke the prick. They have a swimming race. Yusuke wins. Nazna asks Yusuke out to um, the fireworks that night as part of the festival. Title drop right there. Um, he kind of wusses out, and Nazna gets caught by her mum and dragged home because they're going to move house at some point. She doesn't want to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nazna's planning on running away. Yeah, she's planning on running away. She's got a big old suitcase, and no one really tweaks that for a good ten minutes, mm. um, even though it's a very big, heavy suitcase, and it constantly makes noise. Um, and mm-hmm. so, they, like, uh, Norimichi finds this glass bubble that falls out of the suitcase that he saw earlier at the pool as well. It's got a very multifaceted, like, sort of chamfered look to it, and there's lots of stuff inside it, quite clearly. He hucks it um, at the wall in frustration, and it's clearly some kind of, like, time warp device, magic doodah, and it then resets time back to the swimming race so he can win instead, so he can then meet her and try and enact some kind of... try and, try and prevent Nazna from being taken away. Well, it appears and then, to reset time. What it seems to do is create a new world. Mm-hmm. Well, it just... It, 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 so it, it maintains his memories, but no one else's, and it puts him back in his body at that point in time, and it But it doesn't splits. seem to, does it? It seems it's to set up a, a new parallel world. parallel branch, basically. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, it, 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 it takes him back and branches off, like, so it's yeah. Yeah, it's just yeah. yeah. This, this it's using be... it's using fate grand it's using fate mythology rules of time travel. But so. not in any kind of new or interesting. <laughs> no, way. that's the problem. So the main problem I have with this film, and I think we disagreed on this Reina yesterday about time travel storylines, where you you're not a fan <laughs> of them. I'm not a huge fan. Sorry, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth. Feel free no, to no, expand. No, no, it's a great festival. Um, yeah. I don't like war stories. Don't like time travel. <laughs> but, 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 so, well, don't like Eureka. Well, that opinion may not be universal. Yeah, I'm going to call you out. But no, but. Uh, the thing with the time I love time travel storylines if they're done well like Endless ain't yeah. bad um, apart from the book the book's alright but like I love time travel stories so I grew up with reading sci-fi big Philip Day K. Dick fan a lot that's about reality warping but this is so linear and prescribed and sort of sterile and directed and like directed in a very sort of like straight line boring uninspired way where it doesn't explore time travel or the multi-dimensionality it's setting up and even the characters, frankly, that the main failure for me for this movie for me is that the characters are utterly well. I was about to say two D, but they're anime. <laughs> um, sorry, but <laughs> they're, they're, they are atrociously flat characters, and I could they're they're thin as dish rags. There's nothing to them. There's a car alarm outside which agrees with me. I'm glad that motivation. Or maybe there's a shaft fan out there coming to get you. <laughs> oh, I'm sure that's the alarm. That'll happen anyway, frankly. Um, Are you about to get shafted? Yeah, very oh. much so. Hey. Get out. <laughs> if I'm not allowed to make I'll it. I'll pass over. <laughs> Jeez. I find fireworks a lot more interesting to talk about after the fact. Yes. The yeah. context than I did well, to actually watch but it. Man, but yeah, it's like, just to finish my point, sorry. <laughs> but like, it, but the, I just couldn't get into it. The characters are so flat and boring. There was nothing to them like the amount of times that Norimichi like gormlessly looks into the camera I look back and go you f- oh, you're useless all of you and the main girl Nazna is such this like manic pixie dream girl like oh that's a different look isn't it 
Um, but like she's such a she, they're such a nothing cast that like, I could not get into them or care about them one whit and so all the travails it's like yeah whatever like I was more interested in the cosmology of what was happening than the actual story Raina sorry so so no I'm not a huge fan of time travel narratives but I'm not sure this was one but I also but I also think this is some of, some of the problem here and some of the joy here is it's a Shinji Y film yes so, if you don't like Shinji Wai's slow, not a lot happens, dramatic romancy things or drama romance movies, you're not, not gonna you. like this. <laughs> and Amelia and I sat down in front of a couple of people who were behind us talking about how they were looking forward to this as a kind of a second your name. <laughs> And, and I'm, I'm sitting there going, I don't, I don't think you know what this is going to be, because... Yeah. I do not think you know what that word means. But but Shinji Aboi is not someone who makes a Makoto Shinkai film. And you know, his, his films and his, his stories are not those kinds no. of yeah. stories. But, but I think Shinkai was very much inspired by Murakami and Iwai. Yeah. And, and producers today are looking at Shinkai's success and think we desperately need to replicate this and if we don't have Shinkai, what have we got that we can use? We've yeah. got Shinji Iwai. Yeah. We've got Shinji Iwai, let's do that. Um, and uh, I, I was taken to task on Twitter for suggesting that this is an attempt to be a Shinkai film, but that's exactly what this is. Oh, yeah. It even has the lens flare. They desperately want this to be a Shinkai film, but it doesn't have the inspiration behind it. Well, yeah. right, right, but, you know, your name, right, sorry to keep referencing your name, but your name, the characters had... They want, going you to, on. they want you to reference your name and they want you to regard yeah. this as a success. But, but, it, but in every single way it falls flat as a result. Like, like I say, like, the characters have nothing going on. Yeah. Like... The most you know is that Norimichi plays this kind of cool-looking D-make yeah. SNES-style RPG, mm. and Nazna is on the swim team, which mm. seems to be an excuse to draw in a swimsuit. I don't know, sod it. Well, shaft, so... Yeah, yeah, well, also, it has the character designer from um, Back in Monogatari. Mm. I forget their name. Thank you, Wakanabe. Thank you, but I, I like Akio Wakanabe, but everything looks the same now. Like, he's reached a plateau of Hirai same face, um, mm. which is now exhausting because every single mm. female character looks exactly the goddamn same mm. and it's an excuse to make their hair look nice and I could not care one whit should we talk about her breasts now if you wish okay. I wasn't going to <laughs> I, 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 I thought you were going to get in with context but we'll go for no, boobs let's uh, just talk uh, about boobs it is an anime podcast so. <laughs> yes <laughs> this is going to happen sooner or later indeed um, it, it's very early in the film when the group of schoolboys are talking about I think they're racing to school or something mm-hmm. And the loser has to sexually harass their teacher. And they use those exact words, yeah. sexually harass their teacher. And the, the lo- we see this happen. We see this happen. The loser, mm. when he gets to school, he, he raises his hand in class, asks if their large-breasted teacher has a boyfriend, if she's going to the fireworks festival with anyone. And he makes kind of grabby hand motions and jumps on a desk and runs and makes her life very difficult. That was really unpleasant to watch actually yep. and it was utterly unnecessary i would back that up actually on my side i mean like uh, like disclaimer on my side actually i like on the, the like contextualizing the opinion of the film overall i feel that like unlike my, my feelings about eureka 7 on a personal level i feel that the, the biggest problem is actually as amelia nailed at the beginning is the two films that you cannot help but compare it to are mm-hmm. the girl who left through time and your name but it's both of those are once in a like in a cycle yeah. films. I mean, yeah. like the girl who left for time shouldn't be as good as it is. It was made on a shoestring budget, less than a fraction, less than a third of a normal film. 
at that time was being made on. Mm-hmm. Basically, people just yeah, worked themselves a, over time to make it happen. a great script by Satoko Okudera and a great, great, and a great script, script. A, great, a great team overall. But like, like and the, the trouble is, is that Fireworks is very much caught afterwards. So it's, it's not, I think, it's... Like, I actually, like, I thought it was... And it was not right. It wasn't, it wasn't something I would necessarily... Like, I mean, I, it's what I expected from this year, to be quite honest, actually, about mm-hmm. output for film. But the, the one moment that really put my back up to it mm. as well like I like backing up the, the point of view but it's not like that that, that thing has an impact on everyone like the, the whole sexual harassment has an impact yeah. on everyone it's one thing we all discussed actually as bias mm. me like I remember having the same conversation with with people in the USA like G kids mm. and such who were looking mm. at the film and looking for opinions at the same time both of us raised independently the same yeah. comment about it which was we both felt I mean like previous judge Eric Beckman both felt uncomfortable with yeah it's, it's an absolutely pointless and futile scene that achieves nothing except putting me off the film yeah. from the very beginning yeah. and, the, the, and they reinforce yeah. it later at mm. the very end I mean I you know with my with my line of work with an anime fandom I get asked to overlook this kind of thing but you shouldn't I agree but within it means I've kind of yeah. learned to say okay is there is there a context for this that makes sense is it in any way excusable not even justifiable but excusable yeah. And the one thing I could think was, okay, young boys being kind of creepy about an adult woman. Okay, fine. But then you get, well, not fine, but... You, no, no, I know what you mean. I have now reached a point where I can overlook this and not <laughs> be too put off by it. And then later on in the film... That's the uh, shaft alarm again coming off my <laughs> Sorry. I'm ready. <laughs> They're coming for you. <laughs> I can take them. Uh, and then at the end of the film, uh, she is in a yukata on her way to the fireworks festival with her boyfriend, who is uh, another teacher, her co-worker, and he says to her, have your boobs become more small and flat? Presumably because she's wearing a yeah, yukata after- and pressed them down, and she slaps him. And that interaction, again, is... It, it, this isn't young boys being a creep. This is that's a man speaking it's, to it's, it's, it's pointless. Yeah, you yeah. see, that's what ties in for me about the whole thing, because someone said the same to me about it before. It was the, you could make the argument for the boy. I mean, Eric had the same discussion, like, boys will be boys, so that's the angle they went with. But we also, yes. both, but we also both made the same counter-argument to one another within a short space of time in different wording there and realised we were on the same track. Yeah. That basically the director's role and the scriptwriter's role, we were going from different perspectives of who should be responsible for it, mm. but it's the, it's the cast, the crew's role to guide an experience that, like, yes, teenage boys will be teenage boys, but do you need to show that in the context of the film? And, like, men will be insensitive sometimes or dicks, but do you need to show that in the context of the film? In this you, case, you, you definitely don't. You need to spend 10,000 pounds of your budget yeah. making that scene. Well, exactly. My point yeah. is for that, especially the second scene, or the first scene, like, for the, the scene with teenage boys, maybe you could make an argument for. An argument I don't think necessarily you yes. should, yeah. actually. But the second one was not required. No, the second I, I one was worthless. If I can jump in there, I think exactly. one of the more disturbing parts about this conversation is we're talking about dialogue. We're not even really talking about the, my big problem with it, yes. which is the fact that the animators spent a lot of time in that early sequence gynaxing her boobs. Yes. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> they have a dream sequence, don't they, where yeah. they imagine her? Yeah, and, and actually towards yeah. the end, oh, when, yeah. when her boyfriend asks her if her boobs have gotten smaller and flatter, they are drawn smaller and flatter. And yeah, it's because of the yukata potentially, but doesn't change the fact that they've actually changed the way the character looks. To make the argument. To make the argument carry weight. So they've, they've put her in this horribly objectified position early on. Mm. 
And then they're sub- subsequently they're backing it yeah. up through the actual yeah. animation style. It's the, the adult female painful. characters of Venus Wars were far better than the adult female characters of Firework. Oh. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't think well, that's, yeah, that's, an, I don't that's, think that's an unfair comment. Yeah, I mean, it's true. Like, Who are we talking about? The teacher and Nazana's mother. Nazana's mum yeah. exists as right? uh, Nazana's mum exists purely as like and the sort of scree- yeah. screeching harpy to come in with talent. And Chris, and Chris, what about the fucking description? Yeah, there's a story which I haven't heard. And then a hard time on Twitter. And then her stepdad comes in and just lamps her like lamps a kid as well. I'm like, that was actually where the well, there was plenty of reasons for me to turn off the film, but like. When um, Nazna's like to be stepdad comes in and just lamps Norimichi in the face, I'm yeah. like, yo, you wouldn't put up with no. your the person you're going out with lamping a kid, would you? Like yeah. that's beyond the pale, right? Like nope. But then you know Nazna's mum exists purely to like yell Nazna, grab her, strip her away, and then one time have a little cry in a car, which is like a scene which is like trying to make it important, and it's like. Nah, doesn't doesn't, Nazana, doesn't 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 land. Nazana herself is not an amazing character. No, she's her. as I say, dream, she's a manic dream pixie girl with nothing behind her. I'm, who's I just don't like her. I'm whatsoever. not sure I would go quite that far. Mm. Um, I'm not sure she quite fits the manic pixie dream girl type. I feel there's elements of it where she's like so idealized and also so horrifyingly naive. Yeah. In, like everything. I, I, I don't think she's quite a manic pixie dream girl. I think that's quite specific. Okay, I'm I'm, I'm she, overgeneralizing in that point then. Yeah. But she is a character who. Uh, she doesn't seem to want anything. She she doesn't want to move, but we're no. not quite sure why. She doesn't mm. because we see two alternate storylines. We see one where she asks Yusuke on it on to go to the fireworks. We see one where she asks Nanamichi to go to the fireworks. So she doesn't seem to have a crush on one guy that she wants no. to stay for. No. She doesn't have female friends mm-hmm. that we see. Mm-hmm. She doesn't talk to other women. She doesn't seem to have hobbies or a club I mean you mentioned her being in the swim club I'm not sure that's true I think she just likes to hang around swimming pools yeah Norimichi and Yusuke have a conversation where they're like oh is she going to swim is she in the swim club she must be because she's here but that's not that's not what's going on because she has no intention of swimming she just likes watching swimming pools maybe who knows we get get no sense of what she she likes or wants she doesn't have a goal even even her sorry one quick point but even her room has like nothing in it really Mm -hmm. like you see her inside of her room which you know would be their private space and there's nothing really there to clash on to see. Sorry, right no, I, I, I was just going to say, can we talk about the animation again? Because mm-hmm. we were yeah. saying there, there might be some parallels with Venus Wars there and mm-hmm. how the, the adult female characters are good there. Where I was saying for me Venus Wars was a nostalgia trip back to a kind of animation I love. This is everything about animation that I really don't like. Yeah. The really awkward juxtaposition of the 3D CG mm. elements with the 2D characters didn't work for me very mm. well. The the CG mm. in it was constantly like surpro- like shockingly ropey, especially for a movie. Like you see sections with CG bike riders, it's like, what is that the best you could do? Rainer yeah. and I genuinely were like, how many years ago did this come out? Let's look <laughs> it up. No, it was, no, it's it now. Also, like you have you have a, there's one there's one scene I use like I think about three times, which is of a rotating spiral staircase hallway and the frame rate is pretty hilarious but looking at that I'm just like oh shaft's gonna shaft like this is a shaft if piece of CG if it's not in tenor it's but, not worth it but most like Jap- like honestly speaking most Japanese frame rates for CG are terrible yeah like mm-hmm. oh, only no. a few studio, like only a few actual creatives I know in Japan yeah, can who can off. maintain a CG rate that actually looks Past like Knights of Sidonia has a terrible frame rate. Yeah, like, I mean, I love like a. But it can cover it up in certain ways. It, it can and it can't. I mean, I like yeah. it was painfully obvious. For example, was painfully obvious and like it's a systematic and endemic problem mm-hmm. with both film and TV. There's 
like there's only a few people who found ways of workarounds around it. Most of that's tapping into video games. Mm-hmm. But the interesting thing is, a rumor, like I'm just repeating a rumor I heard, of course, mm-hmm. from the, the Japanese one, I would like is the Japanese press tour, mm-hmm. like is that actually um, only the scriptwriter was present for the press, like the press screening. Wow. Um, well, that is a very interesting question, isn't it? Now, press screenings traditionally only happen a month before the, the, the thing, so you can get the press battery in, mm-hmm. get, like, you basically are keeping it closed to the last minute. Your name was the same for what mm-hmm. it's worth. It was always kept, it, it, whether it's your name or the next, <clears throat> Bidori Gusko, it's always going to be the same restriction on, on that. But the fact that only the script, the scriptwriter's job by this point is done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But what does that tell you about the director and the chief director? Uh, chief director? <laughs> what does that tell you? Where does that tell you they are? And what what we know the press got to see was an incomplete version. Yeah. Of yeah. It's almost like they were always engaged. It's almost like the film wasn't complete. Yeah. Um, yeah. And. Like not due to this happens in production all the time. There are films which like like there are films which come out. Like people work down to the last minute. It doesn't necessarily always mean you're going to get. Uh, like like in this case, this is not a film that's going to be completed by adding stuff. This is a film that. Will be... <laughs> no, but what I mean is, I wasn't talking about adding stuff. I mean, otherwise the scriptwriter would probably be there too, going shit. We can add this here. It was about yeah. fifteen minutes. The quality. And a pencil would yeah. fix this script in all kinds of ways. <laughs> but I mean, like the point was more about the animation and tying yeah. back into the animation. The yeah. point for the director and the chief director are not there. Mm-hmm. It's because they're working on the animation still. Yeah. Gotcha. And you reach a certain point in a film, and like this is the thing. Even people like so. To be clear, this doesn't herald a bad film always. Like or like or a film where the animation quality is not going to be good. Like good. And in this case, I would argue Fireworks isn't like isn't a bad film. It's just not a timeless classic yeah. film. That's right. That like the, that's the syndrome of this year. Like it, it spreads way further than just anime. Yeah. But that's the problem. Anasi features films which are not just anime. Yeah. There were plenty of films in competition, not that. And the argument was still the same, and like even more so this year, of just what wasn't shit, mm. like or what was mediocre, <laughs> basically was basically the. But you know what? Actually, this this presents a, it presents opportunities because then you get people yeah. like Yuasa Masaaki yeah. having retrospectives and having multiple films coming yeah. out all but of a sudden because all of a sudden there's a void. There's well, <laughs> yeah. but there's this, if not a void, but there's at least space for so something and, yeah. new and something. Um, but the the casualty too on a festival directing side of that <laughs> is that. Actually, nowadays, due to my own, like, my own pushing theatrical to become more widespread, but actually we freed up our own space, which is what should be the fucking case from the beginning. There shouldn't be a situation where Scotland Loves Anime is the only place in the year that you can see the majority of films. It should be the only place you can see some of the most interesting films and the place you see it first up to several months in advance. That is important, but that is what a film festival is. Look at Glasgow Film Festival, for example. Mm. They run a screening with like Amanda Inucci for Death of Stalin outside of the festival as a festival event. Mm-hmm. But then there's also plenty, because they run in live action as well to an extent, there's plenty of film there that they're going to screen. But the majority of it is going to also go on wide distribution later. The stuff that's going to sell out mm-hmm. like, is stuff that should be on wide distribution later. And like, I would argue that, or posit at least, that all that, that's happened, actually, the reason there's space for a retrospective for, for USSR and such now is that it's normal, it's normal, the situation for the anime is normalizing a little bit more. Mm. Like, for it, like a little bit, it's not, and it's never going to get there with it, like with where live action Anime's is, never but, been normal. No, but, but you know, <laughs> the, the festival pattern is normalizing, so you can yeah. actually start programming 
based on interest, not based on... Because literally, the problem I've had for the last seven years of my life is, by the time I program everything that is a premiere and new, mm. I have one slot left. So either yeah. you haberdashery a theme out yeah. of what you've programmed by being new, or... You have to curate it yeah. in some or way, you, and you have yeah. to be reactive to what the Japanese are producing, mm-hmm. which, yes. is, which is part of the problem. And then um, you put Redline in. <laughs> I put Redline in at least three times in hey. my, my eight years, and I hey, man, watched not, it every time. No, hey man, not a dig. I'm no, 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 I, no, I didn't take it as a dig. Good, I, was good, like, good. I was like, if I can get it in another time. Having, <laughs> yeah. having invoked his name, Masaki Yuasa, do we want to move on to Lou Over the Wall? Or Please do. Is there anything else you want to mention about? So I, I will say oh. that for anyone who is intrigued following that discussion on fireworks, it's in cinemas from the 15th of November. <laughs> <laughs> Book your tickets at fireworksmovie.co.uk. I would, and when I said that I wasn't sure it was a time travel narrative, it's because yeah. of that parallel worlds yeah. thing. Mm. And it feels like every time they go into one of these new situations, you get a new world, which at least does have some experimental yeah. animation yeah. ideas yeah. going. I mean, I didn't love everything in the animation side of it, but at least they were trying to do something that looked there different was, for every iteration of the story. There was yeah. something interesting you said last night at dinner about, about the actual title of the film, Fireworks. Yeah. yeah. No, oh, and this is, we talked before, didn't we, about how this is possibly the one with the worst title. Lou Over the Wall? No, 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 no fireworks. fireworks. The full title Beauty of Fireworks. Oh, yeah, shall we see them from below or from the side? Shall we see them from the below? The Lewis title is very clearly just Fireworks. Yes. But I think you mentioned last night, or, you know, like, sorry, I'm stealing from you again. Like, filthy, filthy. I like this. This is, like, <laughs> I don't have to know <laughs> yeah. other people are doing. Filthy white male, I am, I'm stealing everyone's ideas. Um, but, like, you mentioned yesterday that, like, even the, t- the title of the film, Fireworks, even the fireworks in the, in the actual movie aren't that visually spectacular. Um, yeah, if you're going to call your movie fireworks, you should make your fireworks push the boat really incredibly exciting. Yeah. <laughs> so, funny story about that in Japan. So, I went to, like, I was in Japan in August time when the film actually came out. And basically, what happened for me was I was picking up books based on it, like for, for the office and such. So, me and Andy had something in particular we could go, we want this, this, and this when we do the, the book, like the, the book for the release, mm-hmm. etc. And what I found first off was a book like that looked like it had all the advertising material looking like it was from Fireworks. It was in the same section as the Fireworks manga, which has come out and is doing very well, actually, mm-hmm. which I think commercially might change the fate of the, the film and ever in the committee's eyes. Kadokawa is certainly very happy with the performance. Did they bring it over here? Uh, not, well, like, okay. not, not my problem at this point. <laughs> Good man. But, um, <laughs> like, basically... The, the interesting thing is, it was a book literally about fireworks patterns and how they explode. Someone has actually written a book <coughs> precisely on this topic. Of course they I'm have. pretty certain, mostly to address one, I'm pretty sure Kadokawa commissioned someone, a physicist, <laughs> actually, to talk about the explosion patterns of fireworks and having music. I got back to my hotel that night, opening, because like, obviously I looked at the beginning, I was like, the cover matches, it is fireworks, should we look at them from the side? Like, I was like, okay, that matches. They've got the You're branding. Right. right, got the book I need. Get back to the hotel. I'm like, like to, to my colleague who was there. So I was like, Jessica, do you? Like, I was like, I mean, I, you'd think this too. Like, someone who also reads enough Japanese to pick up a book, right? And she looks at it and is like, yes. So then I open it and she's like, oh. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, yes. It is a pain when they literally have taken the topic of the title and put it in a book as well. So I'm... I have to go for a piss. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you, you moved my bowels, Andrew. <laughs> uh, not the first time, Jonathan. 
But in public, it is the first time, I think. So, trying to move away from that topic swiftly. Lou over He's going to move away from it pretty quickly <laughs> as well. Is that, is that, is that going to be lefty for the final podcast? <laughs> well, maybe. What, what, do you know what? Some stuff's been said in this podcast. Lou over the wall. <laughs> Final film that was in competition. Wait, no, no, like, I mean, quick, I mean, quick, quick yeah. mention. Uh, L-U over the wall, not L-O-O. Uh-huh. Uh, sorry. Finally, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Final film that was in competition at the film festival this year. Film directed by Masaki Yuasa. Thoughts, who would like to begin? The well, Night is Short Walk On Girl was wonderful. Loved it. <laughs> would very much like to see it again very soon. Is it coming in cinemas again soon? Uh, has already been in the cinemas. Yeah, but... been... Oh no, it was a day. Yes. Can we have another day? No, because <laughs> I'm pretty sure they'd never let me back into cinemas again if I did. <laughs> yeah, I, I um, saw The Night of Short Walk on Girl at Otakon and I was very disappointed not to be able to see it this time. And I put in a mutiny vote for it. That's okay. Sorry, Andy. Still disqualified anyway. It's a film. <laughs> you can put as many mutiny votes in as you like. As the as the audience did. You're so. just you're just strengthening the case for Eureka Seven to win every time you cast a mutiny vote. I did I did love the audience getting together and like off their own back making a mutiny, a mutiny vote attempt for oh. Nighty Shaw. I think so. I personally love the Night Shaw, but like yeah. give us a pricey of since everyone else has done one. <laughs> give us a pricey of Blue of Wall, Amelia. I'm really bad at summaries of things. Uh, it can't be any worse. Let's do it this way. If, say that like, you were you go back home talking to some friends. Oh, like what's Blue Over the Wall about? How would you describe it? Just a sentence or two. Yeah, no, I understand the concept. Where I was going to go with it is because it is such. No, bollocks it, it, that. Let's just get. Do you, uh, do you mind? Oh, li- yeah, I would rather. No, no, I want one line on that. I, like, I, one line on the. What do you What do you remember about it? I remember everything about it, but. Well, like I mean, what stands out, but like. Do you want me to take this again? Yes. Okay. Oh, See, all, these, all, all, all this <laughs> podcasting I've done with Andy has come, finally come in handy. Um, but so, Lou Over the Wall is set in this very sleepy backwater town, tell me if you've heard this before, um, which is in the literal shadow of a very big honking rock. Um, and it's a rather sleepy, crappy backwater where people kind of just live their lives and there's not much hope of real sort of outward direction or momentum. Um, as seen in some of the characters um, but the people are mostly in the fishing industry it's all very quiet um, they live in fear of mermen um, fish people that live out there and the main character is Kai who is like next in line of this um, family of fishing boat salesmen and such um, no, fishing boat renters and such who's grand- because his granddad and his dad his mum lives in Tokyo and is estranged or divorced divorced yes um, and so he is of a quiet dude but he's getting into a bit of like amateur music making and it turns out that music is what attracts the mermen and he actually meets one called Lou who's like a little little sorry merpeople alright sorry dang it um, a little he, he meets um, Lou who is little mer mer person mer girl I suppose who um, says she wants to be friends with everyone and so they embark on a long adventure to try and make the merpeople friends with everyone again um, in this sleepy, rather wretched little town. That's accurate, but I've never thought about it that way. Yeah. Well, it's all about Nakayoshi, you know, you've got to be friends with everyone, it's important. But yeah, also Kai comes out of his shell, he goes through a bit of strife with his friends who want to make this crappy band. And also a terrible yeah. Japanese joke, because Kai means shell. Yeah. Oh, did not know that. Oh, wow. That's, that suddenly it's makes a Japanese that... Japanese dad joke. That's, yeah. that, scene with, that scene with the uh, where he picks the muscle out of the soup and goes, this one hasn't opened its shell yet. Oh, and there's like two more shots of that damn thing. I wonder, is there a point to this? 
guessing it yes there is they, they, they could have done Eureka 7 style subtitles going it's a joke get it <laughs> <laughs> just what like that's the joke from Simpsons or something but no that's the that's the praise sorry I went a bit long on the start end of it but yeah so Lou Over the Wall um, so what did everyone else think of this one I loved it I really liked it but uh-huh. there are problematic gender politics that we talked about last time mm-hmm. there's also something else pretty problematic again like it, you know, G Kids and I hit on the same concern we had about the film when we talked about there's a thing, it. There's a thing right at the end which put me right. Well, I was kind of surviving, and then the end comes and it's like, mm, no. It's there right. are a few moments where yeah. the line between Kai's relationship with Lou, who is a very young mermaid, she mm. comes across like a four or five year old girl. Yeah. In, um, act, in act and in both visibly, yeah. visibly and emotionally. So. And she and Kai bond and there's a whole sequence which is really beautiful and sweet where he walks her around in a very parental way Yeah. and at the end of that scene they see a couple kissing and she from that they have a conversation where she learns that people who like each other kiss and the line between their parental relationship and a romantic relationship gets called into questions and it's it's not literally called into question but it puts it, it puts them too close together for comfort so I do you see at that point still and this is the thing which like we like it's not that moment which does it you're, no, you're questioning no, no, based on the second like, yeah, like, like the, the first time around you look at it it's more like it's almost more like a, a li- an annoying little sister who makes them realise that and like the way it's framed to a western audience at least mm-hmm. is that it's like an annoying little sister who Who's not really annoying at all, and like no. it brings Kai a bit more out of his shell. He grudgingly accepts he has a little sister in this kind of scenario, and then at the end, at they, the end they, yeah. they, they drop in a scene which they could have not, and yeah, it yeah. changes the context of their relationship in a way that I don't think any like any observer like semi-observant western audience is going to feel comfortable with no yeah. it's it, you, the scene at the end is one where they kind of cross that line and it kind of get, kind of wrecks a large amount of the really relationship something really god awful happens no, they, no, they, like, no, they, they kiss not. and hold hands like the, don't freak out <laughs> like not even <laughs> like not even really not, like making out pa- not no. even passionately on it so, I mean no. it's again you could if you really wanted to put blinkers on you could try and pretend it's not mm. It, it but reminded it puts them me. too close it, to get yeah, it puts them, it puts them in an, a position where you're left questioning. But it's also, it's also where Kai is yelling, I love you, I love you, I love you. And which this is, is I mean, much. from a language yeah. perspective, that's mm. a bit of a problem too, because the, the word that she uses yeah. is Nakayoshi. She uses yeah. Nakayoshi the whole time. Like, yeah, I want to be friends with everyone, I want to be close to everyone. Mm. And then Kai and Blue use the word ski. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the, the, the like or the love yeah. and that doesn't necessarily need to be romantic but because mm. they're the only two using it but it's also you the worry it's also, that it is but, like, it, exactly. but it is also the subtitles change to love rather than like so it just says, says I love you I love you I love you it's like okay it could yeah doesn't need yeah, to be romantic I think the issue is that maybe as well we're it's like like let's just put it as it is we're too used to to Elements of anime being ruined by beasts, basically, like, ab- like yeah. absolutely, like, and that's that's not even an ironic joke about no. it. We're used to to animate like the thing that ruins anime, be it the seven hundred year old demoness who's in the ten year old's body, mm-hmm. or yeah. the the literal like there was one last season. I think it was like oh, the one of the the gal series or something where there was a literal pedophile yes. in it, yeah. and it was played for jokes. Like, like they show yeah. a fucking yeah. map 
of all the places he knows children are. And it's like, <laughs> what a funny thing. He's yeah. a pedophile. It's like, yeah. I'm like, no. who, who thought this was a fu- What audience are you playing to with this? And like, I think we're just also, also... So used to, even on the baseline level, like with what the way, like especially in the UK, we're used to mm-hmm. with anime, like how anime started of being things like the overfiend and such, oh, being such, not even on a like a level of age, but being sexualized. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're left to immediately question. Mm-hmm. Plus, it's in the part of the film. Sorry, the last before yeah. my last one is, but like it's also in a part of the film where they're basically wrapping up all the character interrelationships yes. one <laughs> after another. Mm-hmm. Like you have um, Kai's two friends. You know, you have Maho Miho, Yuho. Yuho. Yeah. I know there's a Ho in there, but like Yuho, not like that. <laughs> so you, Hell. you have you have Yuho who is like the you know energetic young scion of the local fish packing plant. Um, who it sounds the wrong word that I know. I'd have gone with spoiled. I'd have gone with spoiled brats. Spoiled brats. Like, yeah. I, I kind of liked it mostly because I was like, man, they animated that hair well. Um, I, I just wanted to be like, what uh, is going on here? But, yeah, I mean, but like, then, yeah, then she, she to each of them. Basically. She, yeah, she's been, she's been she's been sort of like sort of harassing Kai for the entire time, and then makes the switch at the end to like the daughter of the priest. Um, what's it's his name? Tam. Son of the priest. Yeah, son of the priest. Yeah, the, yeah, the the Tam dude. If it was a daughter, that'd be more interesting. Um, but like, it was the Tam dude, and then. So they've, they've they've got a relationship set up there. They're both chuffed about it. Then it moves on to like the grandma finding her like son who's become a mer person. The grandma finding her lover. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was her son. Whoops. No. Okay, that explains it more. So, but it's coming in. It's coming in the middle of all these relationships it's being being with his granddad. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's granddad. It's granddad. Yeah. 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 There, there may be a subtitle issue there because I remember on the subtitles saying, "Are you sure it's he?" he the grandfather because no I was thinking about no, I was thinking about Grandma he's thinking, Octopus he's thinking the other way around it's Grandma okay. Octopus for him and it's okay. yeah. for the, yeah, the grandfather it's his mother because his mother got trapped oh, came yeah, back yeah, up yeah. 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 Uh, there's a lot of like intermixing and honestly that's a, a perfectly natural conclusion yeah. it reminded me of the end of Ponyo which also features a kiss mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, and, and what I loved about the end of Ponyo well, I didn't love what I, what I enjoyed uh, here we go showing some emotion Jonathan yeah, no, you fucked up let anyone see that uh, what I liked about the end of Ponyo was that um, the relationship between the two characters is entirely doomed. There's no possible way that they can go anywhere or do anything because they're from very different worlds. But it doesn't matter because that's the moment that the film chooses to end on, on a kind of positive note, mm-hmm. w- without answering the questions that it's just about to pose. Yeah. Um, and so when that turned up at the end of Lou, I thought, okay, well, this is very much a film that is trying to evoke Ponyo. We know it's aimed at an audience that will remember Ponyo. Mm-hmm. There, there is, this is not something where you, you expect people to walk in and not to realise that a film that was very like this was released only eight and or Lou nine years. And looks like Ponyo. She does. Yeah. Yeah. a lot like Ponyo. Um, and a weirder version of Ponyo. I, I actually yeah. like, like Lou's design more than Ponyo's design. I, yeah, yeah. The fish in the hair is really cool. Yeah. Or the, the faux hair. Just in general, the, the way the eyes work as yeah. well and such, it's just like really... Yeah. There's, there's something really engaging there's a, there's a, there's a lot more like, ex, there's a lot more expressiveness and transition in the eyes and the mouth especially like she does a lot more facial expression, expressiveness that I really enjoyed I feel like if Ponyo was caught in a net and being taken away to be like fish like etc I wouldn't be too upset yeah. I feel if Lou did if that happened in a film of Lou we would be all upset I want to give some credit to Lou's voice actor as well yeah. like yeah. clearly an actual young girl which mm-hmm. is yeah. really nice and I, yeah. I thought it was the same voice actor as did uh, Smuggy from Sweetness and Lightning who's another another yeah small child character who didn't annoy me this year mm-hmm. and who I actually found very endearing and having an actual child voicing Lou just worked so far in its favour and yeah. I really yeah. 
I like Lou more than Ponyo as mm-hmm. well. Certainly. Yeah. Yeah. I think we were more of a target audience for, for Lou than we were Ponyo. Yes, I as think well. that's a fair comment. I mean, like, I think... We're not Japanese children. Yeah, well, I mean, well that's what I mean. It's like, it's like we're not... Like, but, like, Lou was aim, wasn't really aimed at the kids' audience. The problem with Lou is the same problem with My My Miracle, actually, mm-hmm. leaping to an example. It's a film which looks like it's for children, but it's actually not for children. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But no, I, I'm to, maybe to talk about more things I like. So, but like, I really like um, Lou because it looked really great. Like, mm-hmm. it was clearly within certain limitations, like it's using Flash as its primary function, as you mentioned um, in your pre C. Um, it was made before, um, like, a short walk on go. Um, and it was used as a test bed, but it, you know, you can see the seams slightly, but it still works really, really well within the constraints, and it looks really cool. Like, it does a lot of really cool stuff with motion. But controversially, I preferred Lou to Night as Long. No, I can say that. Sure. Night as Long is a good <laughs> reference sometimes, but uh, no, like, but that's a fair point. No, I can say I, that. I, I just felt like Night as Long, Walk on Girl is. is Night is a... short, Walk on Girl. Sorry. Thank you. Thank sorry, you. sorry, sorry. <laughs> been a long day mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but you know I, I do I do prefer it just because within the newer movie you've got multiple stories being told yeah. and it's very heavy on language it's very dense and complex and you almost feel like you're being just battered by it at times mm, yeah. whereas Lou feels much more controlled and yeah. contained and the style uh, of it is so nice. Yeah, the it, colour yeah. design is wonderful. It, it does a really, it does really, it does a lot of, unsurprisingly for a story set on the seaside, but it does a lot of really smart things with water, yeah. which is a key part of the film. Like, it's part of the key sort of almost antagonist in its own right, frankly. And it does a lot of really smart things with how it displays the water and how it uses it. There's a part where Lou can control water because she's a person, you know, or mermaid or whatever. And so, like, she can, like, move water and make it go up in strange cuboid cylinders and shapes and just, like, extrusions out of the sea. And it's really cool. Like, it never stops being cool for me. Yeah. And, like, at one point, like, she just floats in the air using a cube of water as, like, a basis. Mm. And it's re- the amount of times it looks really cool because you'll see it move and you're like, yeah, that totally tra- it totally plays yeah. to my eyes. Of like, yeah. that looks awesome and I totally buy it. Like, at one point she springs, like, a rather interesting um, escape on a puppy pound, like a animal oh, shelter. Yeah. 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 Which, when I'm, when I saw it, I'm like, wow, this is messed. Oh, this is really cool. Like, this is a really awesome, like, expansion of the, like, the universe's, like, power, like, the powers of the mermaids and what's happening yeah. and the general sort of ecosystem that everyone is living within. And then you get some really cool extra characters in the mix, um, which are dog-like. Which, which leads yeah. us to the argument over, is Andrew the cat cooler or is the murder cooler? Andrew the cat. <laughs> Murdog. <laughs> I love <laughs> But, like, I mean... The interesting thing about that, like, I heard people coming out about doing, because I was one of the people giving out the lollipop sticks for the awards. Yeah. And, like, someone just came out and was like, yes, premium ocean doggos, and just started <laughs> <laughs> immediately into a five-star box. So it's like, none of the others had premium ocean doggos. So I'm like, you are indeed correct, sir, and I can't fault your five-star choice based on this decision-making. Uh, that's, that's, my new, that's my new fake Twitter feed. I'm <laughs> premium ocean, ocean doggos. Yeah. <laughs> premium ocean doggos. The audience have spoken. <laughs> I liked Lou of the Wall a lot better the second time because I saw it at um, Oticon. Was it Oticon? Yeah. yeah, so I saw it at Oticon this year and seeing it the first time I was like, ah, it's There's fine, kind of pseudo Ponyo, yeah. not that into it. And I saw it the second time and much appreciated it much but, more, I think. So watching fireworks is, made you appreciate <laughs> it more. Is that also because you were in, like, I mean, let's call it as it is with Oticon as well, effectively a lecture theatre with 
project I've seen it at AX as well it is the worst way to watch film I was so cold I, well, it's, it's cold in AX actually you have three different screens you yep. have to choose yep. between to watch and it's honestly it's the most shocking thing ever I thank god for people like Eric Beckman starting animation as film like in LA because now there is an actual play you can go to the Chinese theatre a historical thing mm. which was playing RDCP of fireworks by the way which was really shit scary for us, because of the DCP that we had made, turned out to be, in fact, defective. We have just fucked up in, like, the holy grail of venues in the world. Oh. For, thankfully, it was fine. Like, <laughs> we were okay on that. But, I mean, if you don't have a proper cinema experience of a film, you, I, like, it must have come up in other places, I'm sure. Like, Raina and Jonathan are both going to jump in to back it up from research or such. But a cinema experience versus watching it in, effectively, a, a glorified gym hall... Mm-hmm. Like in this, there is a, a different absorption level and empathy with film. I I don't think that that was a factor for me. No, no, I, I, sorry. <laughs> like for, for, certainly for me it was. I, mean. I, I found that the, the way that Uasa works, he puts so much onto the screen and into the film. Yeah. And the first time through, I think I didn't enjoy it as much because I didn't absorb as much yeah. whereas mm. the second time knowing what was coming you could process a bit more. process a bit more and kind of know what to look out for and things like the cuboid water shapes yeah. like yeah. I enjoyed that aspect more this time around yeah. which oh, interesting. I, yeah. yeah so it just kind yeah. of skated There's... over the first time I saw it but the second time I feel like I appreciated it more mm. whereas the nicest short walk on girl I think I had an easier into that because it's about adults for a start. Yeah. It's, you know, the, one of the main characters is an adult woman who likes drinking and went to a wedding. I was like, mm. yes, I've been to like five weddings this year. Yeah, and like, the other one was about <laughs> someone stalking people. Uh, yes, there is. <laughs> That's the problematic, thing. as they would say. Yes, it is a bit problematic. It's extremely And I was hoping to watch it again so I could write about it. But, mm. <laughs> but Lou Over the Wall is... It is a lovely film, and I did yeah. enjoy and appreciate it much more the second time around. Hmm. I've seen both actually twice now. Well, at least twice on the big screen, at least. And like the the weird thing for me is definitely like I did pick up on a lot more. Like the second time around with Lou, I would still argue that there's an empathy factor when you see people react in the cinema, a traditional cinema space as well, but. Like for me, because for me, the first time, so for me, Contextual Festival, I saw it in the cinema audience, but with just the distribute, like the other distributors and the marketing team, like etc. <clears> for us. So it was a private screening for us, basically. Whereas, like the second time, obviously, it was in like the end of the film house where I saw it. Mm. Like, like at least for Lou, the other time was separate for Night is Short. But you definitely do pick up more. Like, there's definitely more chance to absorb stuff and there's definitely it's one of those films where there is a rewatchability to it yeah there's... I think that's a factor of US though isn't it yeah. I think credit, yeah. I mean, credit where it's it's although not always I mean Mind Sorry. Game I'm not sure like I, I can watch more than, I, I can watch it once every I could it would be one of those films where you could put it out once every like 10 years or something for me I love it it's a, it's a beautiful piece of piece of film but it is like, yeah, like, I wouldn't necessarily dust off ping pong either for that matter on that. Oh, I would. I'd, I'd dust off. I mean, like, I don't, like, I don't mean to start on a tangent, but I'd dust off ping pong any week, frankly. But well, it's, really, maybe it's just me. I mean, like, yeah. your, your mileage may vary on it. Yeah. I appreciate Sorry. the director making a film, though, that does improve on repeat. Yeah, no, no, I, I agree. That's, that's, that's exactly the point. And that was completely think, absent from any of the other films. After we watched hmm. Night is Short, Elliot made a really good point, which was that that is a film that would benefit from having a pause button where you could sit down with it 
and and almost play it back so you get the jokes. Mm. Yeah. There's so much going on yeah. in the in this in the language in Night is Short. And for me that was one of the fun things about Lou is that it's it's actually easier to follow in a lot of ways. Yeah. But it also brings up the point you were making, Jonathan, last night, which is about the music. Yeah. I I you know, we we were talking about how the music, the band that plays, obviously they're meant to be a teenage band, yeah, so they're mm-hmm. not meant to be like super polished or brilliant or no. anything. They're not yeah. meant to be good. They're no, not meant, they're to, meant be to be great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I love it. It reminds me of my misspent youth with my mates in bands being real shit and pressing CDs and using CD burner in their, lap- in their Dell laptop. Like, I loved it. It brought back all those memories of them being kind of garbage. But damn it, they're trying. They've got to do something in this podunk dead end town. Mm-hmm. I did, though, want the music to be a bit catchier. No, I get you know, that. I wanted, it, I wanted to walk out singing it, and I didn't. Yeah, we had a disagreement last night about the music because there's a there's a track in the in the movie which gets everyone just spontaneously dancing like loons. Mm-hmm. And I remember you saying you weren't that hot on it, uh, or perhaps better phrasing than mine. But uh, I think I just I think I just said I didn't walk out singing it. And yeah, I quite I quite liked it because it matched how goony the dancing was with the gooniness and the stupidity of that track. Um, there's I mean to go about rewatchability to jump back very quickly, but like. I, I kind of want to watch Lou Over the Wall again, mostly because there's a lot of scenes in there that I really enjoyed the visual effecting and the panache in it. Like, the, 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 so to be very dull, but like the opening title card sequence is great. It's really fun. It's like a really fun way of playing around with very nice bright primary block colors and fish. And it's really fun and legs dancing and it's really cool. And I love that sort of stuff about you are where he's like, I know, I've got an idea. Boof, and off it goes, and it's wonderful. So he's come on a long, long way since Mind Game as well. Because, like, in a good way. No, no, in, like, in a good way, because, like, not in it, like, because Mind Game was good and the style was different and it was very much a showcase for T-Wars. Hmm. Like, very much the abstract animator of that gener- of this generation for it, for, for Japan. But the, the, the latest two films, you did both Night is Short and Lou, I've watched twice and I would watch again without, you yeah. know, a hesitation like it's it, you can take mileage very, the, the, like about ping pong for example mileage varies because I don't tend to re-watch mm. TV series because well, yeah, much time to watch yeah, yeah well yeah. exactly so I mean it's basically like it, it's about like do I have time it's very rare I go back and re-watch well, the one film I'll re-watch almost Annually in anime at least is like Redline, obviously. Oh yeah, like, also, it's, also it's as visual eye candy. It's just, yeah. Plus it's a movie, so yeah. you can get it. Whereas ping pong is like yeah. 11, 12 episodes. Yeah, exactly. So, so yeah. like. I, like honestly, I can't think of a TV series yeah. barring the thick of it, but I rewatch annually just to remind me that <sighs> maybe, well, watching. just to remind me that it's actually, oh shit, it's all happening now. Which episode will be adapted into real life next <laughs> next week? See also Black yes. Mirror. <laughs> yeah, oh, Jesus Christ, yes. Uh, Black Mirror is too low. <laughs> Black Mirror is too low hanging fruit nowadays. It's too base. So we've gone beyond it. We're running very low on time now. So Sorry. anyone have anything else to say about Blue Over the Wall? I uh, to be a slightly mean person, but I really really liked it. But the 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 last sort of like the ending crisis which happens where everything comes to a head for me went on a wee bit long because it felt like it kept introducing new elements which it all came out in the wash but I was like okay this is the crisis where they have to resolve oh there's another crisis on top there's another crisis on top I was like okay this is cool like you're actually showcasing everything you need to in the mythology of this town and the various inhabitants and it all needs to come good in a wash but you could have just ramped up to like one rather than going to 0.3, 0.6 and then one. So it kind of wore me out by the end where I was like, I was like very happy with what was happening, but man, get on with it. Yeah. <laughs> please, please finish. <laughs> so, but I, I love that. I really enjoy that film. I would love, I would love to see it again. Well, it's in cinemas from the 6th of December. You can book <laughs> tickets now at lewoverthewallmovie.co.uk. Yeah. It's like it's my job, well. I mean, um, like, on, like to address the outside topic, not about Lou, 
but to address the topic of the mutineer voting that was <laughs> yeah, going well, on. I mean, yeah, like, that's I mean, what I was going to bring up yeah. now. Oh, well, I'm sorry, then, by all means. Those, those, those people who are wondering who won what, uh, Lou Over the Wall won the Audience Award, and Lou Over the Wall won the Jury Award. However, the audience, just to be difficult, um, started voting on uh, Night is Short, Walk on Girl, even though they were repeatedly told it wasn't in competition. Well, you need the ballot boxes there. Come the, on. the ballot oh. boxes just happened to be there, and a lot, of people, <laughs> a lot of people decided that it really should have been in competition. Uh, I would argue that like, it's, a, it's a matter of, of actual vote among the, the trustees for this one going forwards, because do we want to reshape how we... We I mean, like films of comp- it's a question we've had before. Yeah. It's what removed short film from being, like, or not short, but OVA yeah, length this being is, this is competition. This has come up before. We're going to have to talk about this. It's um, precedent to change uh, before. It, I mean, if it were an option that was available in previous years, then I'm pretty sure Wolf Children would have won yes. not being in competition uh, yeah. in a year before. Um, and in fact, the, the jury themselves were inspired to be bloody difficult as well. Yeah. So that I think when we sat down to start talking, I was pretty sure that it was going to be unanimous for Lou. But yeah. by the time we got to the end of the drunken... You thought dinner, Eureka 7 could just in it. The voting... There are six votes in play. Uh, four of them went to Lou. And two of them, in a gesture of solidarity with the Audience Award, went to Night is Short. Mm. I mean, being honest on it as well, my favourite film of this year is The Night is Short, yeah. Walk on Girl. I mean, like, it's... Only because the silent voice wasn't this year. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, like, then again, I mean, like... I, like on a personal level, I really loved your name as well. I'm one of these people who liked both. Oh, it, I mean, but your yeah, name like, I mean, screened in cinemas last year, didn't uh, they? So did the Silent Boys. Boys. Oh, really? I premiered yeah. it at Scotland's Anime last year. Yeah, oh, but it, was, it was a one two punch last yeah. year. Mm-hmm. I think I could only see a Silent Voice from this year. Uh, you it could feels have, like a now, this year. Now, film. You, you could have seen it in Edinburgh, it's like you're close enough to, to travel, but you didn't. Okay. That's fair as but well. You though. didn't. <laughs> like, I mean, like, this is an argument I get all the time from people, though, is, oh, I, it was the first chance for me to see it. No, you live in the UK. It's, there's no passport control between Scotland and England yet. yet. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, this isn't like, like, this isn't like yet. Yeah, no, uh, I, mean, so I mean, right. I was just broke. No, I know. I'm just. I'm, <laughs> but like, it's an argument I've had thrown at me so many times that it's just ingrained. Oh no, I wasn't. Point. No, I wasn't objecting to it. No, no, no. It's just right. a silent voice feels like a this year yeah. film for me because I saw it. Because it was screened this, this year, year yeah, yeah. Whereas I yeah. saw it in cinemas last. That year, is so. classically the problem. But yeah. I mean, the the key thing with like this kind of film is like it's a procedural thing. If we set up a rule that says, okay, we want to put Night Short in competition, that opens a wider floodgate. Mm-hmm. Do we consider only films released in 2017, whether they are new or not? Yeah, like, for many festivals, does the jury have to watch every film at the festival now? Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, there's an argument maybe to be said that for the Audience Award, Mm. You everything's could fair everything game. is fair game. I mean, you could put a vote in for. But, but then, then at least, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, why not? I mean, if it's an audience but award, if you did that, then I mean, one of the problems that we have with the, I mean, we still we still haven't worked out a yeah. metric for assessing the audience's view. Someone who's a Eureka Seven fan who is just happy to be there will vote five stars on Eureka yeah. Seven. Sure. Someone yes. uh, sadly, um, yeah. I mean, someone walking out of Tokyo Godfathers who wishes it was in competition will give it five stars. Someone who doesn't give a shit will give it nothing. So the yeah. averages that will show will oh, be the who Tokyo, cares the most. Yeah, yeah I mean, who like, cares the most? And I don't think that's... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, that, like, it's just a, a... It's a good... This is a good way of pulling out the arguments yeah. that you'll see from trustees. Yeah, it's a huge can of worms. See, I would kind of question the presence of both Eureka Seven and Venus Wars. Is Venus Wars very very old film has screened we, we heard it has screened in the UK just not yes it's screened Scotland. in England but like Scottish premiere is the category line sure but that's 
if we're, if we're disqualifying the night is short mm. and we're qualifying Venus Wars and Eureka 7 is not a standalone film no yeah. but no, we're but watching it alongside standalone films I mean, I mean both, both of that falls down on the, the level of argument because like every film festival will throw those arguments yeah. out the door of day yeah. one because a, it doesn't matter if it's comp- Annecy admitted One Piece Strong World mm-hmm. into competition, for example. It's not, for an animation festival, it's purely based on, like, a combination of, is it, a, like, for anime, you have to accept as well. There's a limited number of new films every year that come out where you can access the start. It's a practical problem for a film yeah. festival. The, the secondary problem is that if you start arguing about is it a compilation film or not, and, like, Eureka 7 was, to everyone, like sold in as a new reboot. Mm. Basically, it wasn't sold in as a Gekki Joe Yeah, because I, yeah. I asked you, so, do I need to have seen you? Because yeah. you're like, no, 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 it doesn't matter. I, and like, it's, and that's what they say as well. Haven't seen it. That's what they say as well to it as yeah. well. But I think, I think, I actually, I've meant it's probably better for you to not have seen oh. the original TV series first because it'll I'll let you down less by it. But I, I mean, mean, not to cut you off, but I think yeah. the main thing is it's always going to be a problem of boundaries and sort of ring fencing how you decide but, on but the basically, yes, basically, I mean, I mean it's, I'm getting flashbacks now to like, I mean, Andy may as well be, but like with end of year anime awards, where no matter what, how we try and ring fence it in different ways and how we refine it, we always get called on it yeah. by someone. And it's always good, like, it's good to hear the reaction and to base it, but I think. We're kind Just of to be doing clear, it again. I'm not saying you should have included this and you should. No, 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 no. I wasn't trying to. Yeah. It's a thought experiment. Yeah, you have to. One set of criteria. Why, why not raise it around the other? And this is exactly what's yeah. happened in years past as well for us when we we have the last thing. So we, yeah. the key things basically are on it, for like for Night is Short to be removed, like it had a mainstream theatrical release. I mean, we're not talking a couple of, like a back rooms in London pubs, no. streaming it basically. Um, Jonathan gets the reference, but I mean, <laughs> like, um, but the point is, is that it had a full theatrical, yes, basically, mm-hmm. and you can't. No film festival really goes back. Annecy is the only fair. Even Annecy says if it is commercially exploited in France, if it's been commercially screened as in a full theatrical or event screening, it's disqualified mm-hmm. from competition. Mm-hmm. Which is why so many anime films in France might like a silent voice doesn't mean released theatrically in France because mm. they held it back for Annecy and now they're trying to work out what mm. to do. What to do now basically with it. So I mean it's all about it's, it's, it's all about the rules of engagement basically on it. If you and like the, the trouble is like the way we're at just now is actually pretty good because it keeps a, a roughing in and actually I deliberately put a classic film in because I didn't want two franchise I actually try and avoid more than one franchise film in the lineup. It means two films go out almost immediately every year. Yes. <laughs> if you put two franchise, it is important to represent in anime that franchise film is an integral part of yeah. the anime industry, and it has to be criticised appropriately. I, I think we might be being told to wrap it up at this point. I think so. Could, could I jump in just for a second yeah. though and yeah. say just how nice it was to see such a variety hmm. of different kinds of styles of animation? Mm. Yes. yes. In this. In this lineup, yeah, I, you know, I really will... enjoyed that. I yeah. thought that was wonderful. You, yeah, because you you put you could put screenshots. Oh, you... No, no, I genuinely <laughs> yeah, mean it. It's as, as someone who loves animation of all different yeah. kinds, it was great not to just see. Chaff, 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 Because you can take a screenshot of Night is Short, you can take a screenshot yeah. of Lou Over the Wall, they're, they're both different in their own little yes. ways, even though they're from the same studio, same creator, same creative teams, I suppose, like, there are differences, of course. You know, you have a shot of Venus Wars, very different. You have a shot of um, UK7, also different. Like, in between, even between the first half an hour and the last half, last half yeah. hour is different, you know. So and you can have that breath. There has to be, but, within all of this, a bit of an educative 
push, I guess, yep. to try and make sure audiences are getting a sense of what anime is, mm -hmm. yeah. or what Japanese animation is, perhaps more widely. Yeah. Well, we all know what anime and is. It's not kids' stuff. <laughs> it's just pornography, Elliot. Oh, just no. pornography. That's the anime I watch, but no, and you're right. And I mean, that's why I think this has been so nice because you've got audiences now who are getting exposed on a regular basis yeah. to all that anime has to offer, and it is an amazingly rich tapestry. And so it might be a year where you were you were not sure about it after last <laughs> year's successes, but actually for me it's been it's been and really while wonderful. we're while we're on the record about this, I so appreciate having had so many mainstream releases this year. I've been oh, able to watch for sure, yeah. I've been able to watch so many films, anime films mm -hmm. in and cinemas near my home. That has never happened in my life before. And as yeah. a bonus, like I've been able to like voice them upon my friends yes. and when when they ask what can I go see of this dumb crap you watch and then yeah. I go okay I'll skip that last part you just slipped in there but <laughs> you can go see this you can go see this and like I've had friends who I know who I'm not general anime fans but it's like hey you can go watch this thing I think it'll be up your alley might yeah. not be if so I'll buy a few tickets I'll get, you know and, just go see this <laughs> and they are selling out yeah, yeah. yeah. which like, is incredible you know it really shows the love people have for these movies it's yeah. interesting too because I genuinely thought that this year because the tickets were slow or not take the start I genuinely thought maybe this is it maybe I fucked myself up <laughs> I'm, my own, I'm a victim I'm a victim of my own doing good here and trying to spread anime wider and people aren't going to show up and it turns out actually we're right smack bang in the middle mm. performance wise in terms of emissions commercially actually we're like it's the third biggest year for the festival wow. which is great um, like the both categories we're now in the category of not saying it is the X position lowest overall but like the like it's ranked in the top four mm. basically admissions is at number four in terms of commercial is up one from that which is great I mean it's like it's it's ideal, and like I think, and it's basically removed that as a factor of concern now. Like now, I'm pretty. Con I I was convinced before it could have been a, an invisible factor. We'd have a hard time metricing versus because for people who don't show up and aren't going to be able to metric to go why. Yeah, decisions like, are made so, by people yeah. who show up. Yeah. So, what was interesting for us was that wasn't the case. Like actually, there were other external factors in play where we did have a drop. For Glasgow, we had a big drop in sales. Like and basically, like uh, uh, not. Definitely, it was still within operation where it was like the third lowest, I think, attendance in Glasgow ever. But that was more because tickets went up on sale like two weeks later than normal, mm -hmm. so you didn't get the normal increments, man. Like, and there's yeah, also and when you when you talk about third lowest and fourth lowest out of an eight year festival, that that's not average, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're, you're already doing it, it's fine, yeah. 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 But like, yeah. but like for a festival director, average is the worst thing to hear. Anyway, on that right. happy note, what does matter every year is what I would say is this you're looking at the Edinburgh audience and the Glasgow audience, we've got a, a good churn of people. Well, it's, what we people. Use in, it's what we use in, like, in the description of audience. It's like people leave, like, it's like a subscription says, you subscribe to Crunchyroll. They refer to churn as when you leave, but someone yeah. else has joined. Mm -hmm. Like it's meant yeah. to be like a cycle, basically, yeah. when new people well, come yeah. in. Anime fans come in, anime fans leave. So. I think this is possibly the first real turnover we've had where it could have all gone to shit. Mm -hmm. Like you could have yeah. lost a wide variety of people. This is people who are now, in some cases, eight years older than they were when yeah. they started. Yeah, Miyazaki coming. dividend has yeah. fallen, so now we're looking at people who come in with Shinkai. And, yeah, you know. and also, by the way, the one thing to end on, which has pissed me off, this is <laughs> looking at the Twitter, like a tweet that someone made about you, Jonathan. Oh, yeah. Tweet of the week. Said, tweet of the week. They, they were complaining about about the fact of your, of your references to um, 
to fireworks. Mm-hmm. Quote unquote, the first one. He's so unfunny and obnoxious. Please make this stop. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm voicing it as I imagine whoever is saying. If you recognise as your tweet and you're angry, fuckity bye. <laughs> Sorry. I'm leaving um, that in. You realise that? I really am okay with that. It's a, it's a reference to my favourite TV series of the thick of it. Um, it's not yeah. an original partridge. Swear. Wait, this entire podcast has been leading up to a thick of it, right? Yes. <laughs> well, I think you could argue anime itself okay. is leading up to it. But like, he says, quote unquote, anyone who says that someone wants to be the next Makoto Shinkai, it's automatically on my shit list. I'm like, well, you, sir, are either hideously disconnected with what's going on in the anime industry just now, yeah. or just willingly got a problem with people have complained about that before I had a long argument on my blog with someone who said that you know talking about the next Miyazaki is a waste of fucking time I said well creatively it might be but there are people in distribution and exhibition who are desperately looking for the next Miyazaki and when they say that they don't mean they don't care what the film is they want a blue chip title that will will yeah. the best film I mean, that year when you say want to be the next look at yeah. Shinkai what you mean is want to be the next one to make yeah. millions it, it, is, <laughs> it, is, it is a blinkered view but yeah. it is a blinkered view that many producers have and that's what we're talking about yeah. however on that I know, note sorry. I have to go and introduce Kizu Monogatari 3 to an audience of haters so uh, <laughs> oh, no, I'm going to that screen as well and I'm so excited you're not even on Twitter are you no I'm not but when, when the festival <laughs> comes around I get the experience yeah. at not Jonathan Clement yes yeah, no, not on no, Twitter people don't, don't search for your name I learned that the hard way <laughs> yeah <laughs> well, also, the worst thing is when you search for your name and you find out there's someone else with your exact name who's actually a very successful male model. Uh, <laughs> I'll work it. <laughs> Folks, Scotland Loves Anime takes place every year in Glasgow and Edinburgh. Andrew, back next year? Yep, back next year. Stay tuned to lovesanimation.com at some point in time for details. From all of us here in what is now beautiful, sunny Edinburgh, it's like it knew the podcast was ending so we can all go out into the sunshine. Thank you very much for listening. Make sure you go to blog.alltheanime.com for all the information and where you can contact each of our respective judges should you want to engage in conversation with them and such. And be sure to stick around for the next podcast, which will probably be at some point this week because we've got MCM London Comic Con. Ah, Thank you for listening. Bye. 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 Bye.